Welcome to the Daily Objective. Um, a couple of years ago, when uh, the the first COVID lockdown happened, uh, and we, uh, the Ayn Rand Center UK, uh, quickly moved our our events uh, from in person to online. We were we started with doing Zoom calls, which we then put on YouTube, and uh, we increased the number of events because we knew people, uh, you know, it would be helpful to people when they're all of a sudden lockdown in their home uh and then i a few weeks in i think i i called nikos and said let's do a daily show and uh i think this is an exact quote of nikos's response which was um can i do it with the greek accent um this is the worst idea i have ever heard in my life that was uh nikos's exact response and of course uh, you know, it took a while to convince him, uh, even, even when, uh, you know, people who follow Nikos on Instagram, I don't or who followed Nikos on Instagram back then might remember that, uh, he posted an Instagram story right when we were about to launch the daily objective and said for the next two weeks, we're going to be doing a, a daily show. And, uh, I said, you know, I, I remember telling him, you know, we, we said, we're going to try it out for two months, but, uh, it was not my plan for it to last just two months, certainly not uh, just two weeks. So here we are two years in, uh, nearly two years in, and today we are at episode 500 of the Daily Objective. Um, and uh, by the way, the, the original idea I, I came to Nikos was, uh, with was, um, was actually not that great. It was, you know, I said something like, we spend around 20 minutes a day shouting at each other on the phone, let's put it online and, uh, you know, uh, that, that should be interesting to people. And um, uh, yeah, since then that, that has evolved. And uh, now, you know, we have um, as regular co-hosts of the show, um, a, uh, you know, a, a YouTube sensation, a Hollywood superstar, a, a um, television uh, financial um, commentator. And, and uh, I think the show also helped, um, uh, you know, speed along a process of making Nikos the uh, intellectual superstar that he uh, deserves to be. So, uh, yeah, um, first of all, let me welcome uh, the, the two co-hosts who are here right now, um, Mark Pellegrino and Nikos uh, Sotirokopoulos. What's that? Nikos, Nikos, Nikos unable to unmute. Uh, all right. Well, it's only episode 500, so we're going to have some technical difficulties while we figure this out. So, uh, well, I have to say, I have to say, Razi, I respect you for your cashews uh, because um, you know you had a wild idea like this that, that you know might not have floated, but but then you had the courage to ask lots of people to come out and participate, and we all did. We we were very. Uh, I, f I find the weekly, uh, my, my day, my Monday and Thursday podcast be quite fun. I enjoy interacting with everybody and, and disagreeing with objectivists, uh, is, is fun. Uh, if we disagree, sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves on, you know, different sides of the same issue. And, uh, and that's very stimulating, I think for all of us to hear. So, uh, kudos to you for setting up this, uh, stimulating intellectual forum for us all. Thanks, and thanks for being a part of it. I, I, I don't know if I should reveal like the details of the call when I called you and uh, uh, asked you to be a part of the Daily Objective, but it was 
uh, you know, I was thinking, yeah, chances are uh, he's going to say, are you kidding me? Uh, and yeah, I'm glad that, you know, it's been, yeah, you've been on from uh, like a couple of months into the show. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm very glad that that was the case. It's been fun. I get to work with Nikos Satyrakopoulos. Okay, yeah. Hi from me as well. Many thanks to those of you who have followed us for 500 episodes. So if you ask me what's the key to the longevity of this uh, project, it's that we know who we are. We are not experts in objectivism. We're not teachers of objectivism. We just try to make sense of the things that are happening in the world from something like what we understand as an objectivist lens. Also, the other thing that is interesting that we do is we try to give, again, something like a fan of objectivists take on various issues that most objectivists haven't talked about. TV series, films, some current affairs, <clears throat> some issues that uh, are in areas such as romance, for example, where there hasn't been much work in the, in the relevant literature. So at least I see it from the point of view of the viewer. If I, if I were a viewer, uh, what type of material is not out there in the objective sphere? And what would I sit down for 15, 20 every day to watch? So this is how I see the work of ARC UK. Again, we are not, uh, at least I am not a teacher. We have our experts. We have uh, people who know way more than I do and who show up. But the interesting thing is provide, talk about things that objectivists usually don't talk too much about and open a dialogue about things that objectivists haven't been talking much about. And um, so nine minutes or less than nine minutes, because we started late, something like seven minutes into the this um, probably three hour show, we're already behind schedule. So let's introduce our first guest. Uh, and that first guest is uh, Tal Sfani, president and CEO of the Ayn Rand Institute and uh, host of Reverse Engineering Happiness on this channel. Hi, Tal. Hi, hi. How are you? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, my experience, I, I want to share a little bit about my experience with, with, uh, with Razi. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's a secret between VCs in the, in the Silicon Valley about how to really choose entrepreneurs. And they will tell you that the number one uh, thing to look for is this crazy guy who can't stop talking about doing something and they won't stop. And they nag you over and over and you try like, stop already, Right. And uh, Razi, from the day I've met him, was this uh, go-getter who was enthusiastic about, let's do more, let's do more. And, um, you know, I can tell you within ARI, trying to keep up weekly content creation is so demanding. And when he told me he's doing a daily show, I was like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> and um, so, I, you know, I, I think uh, Razi is a true entrepreneur. Uh, I don't know what kind of entrepreneur you are, but you're an entrepreneur for me. And uh, what you're doing is, is, is amazing. And I think, I think for me, the activity in ARC UK is part of the maturity of the objectivist community. It's opening up, it, it, it's, it's showing up, it's, it's being out there, engaging. Um, and and like, like Mark said, not agreeing on everything and discussing things. Um, 
And uh, whenever uh, somebody tries to shut down a discussion, it's like, why are we shutting down a discussion? We're all rational people trying to understand better. I think another thing that I appreciate, uh, I think Nikos is too humble. He's becoming a teacher. Uh, but really understanding, okay, this is where I'm coming from. I understand what I understand. And there are people who do understand more than I do. I'm not here to tell you I understand everything. I'm, I'm here to share what, what I understand at the level that I understand, which is another thing that I think is very important in the process of attracting more people. Um, because even as a scientist, you know, uh, that, that's the process of, or an engineer, you're always in the process of learning, uh, but you don't have to wait to be a master to gen write your first book. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff that I see is happening. I, I love uh, watching at the end of the day when I'm like, okay, I'm tired. Let's see what happened today in the daily objective. Who talked about what? And there's some truly interesting things. I mean, there are uh, some episodes are like, wow, I, I learned something new I didn't know before. And you, you, you see the host of the people you've included in, the, in, this, uh, in, in this endeavor, which is quite remarkable. So kudos for getting to 500. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know if Nikos was about to say something, but thanks, Tal. That was uh, that was a you know, I I might make a short clip out of uh, a few things <laughs> you said in there uh, and and put it on our social media. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we would not be where we are um, today if it was not for the support of of the Ayn Rand Institute and of of you personally. So uh, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thanks for that. Both of, uh, of Tal personally, so we owe a big thank you to Tal. And also to many of the AR, ARI scholars and ARI intellectuals who have given us generously their time. So Onkar has been doing stuff with us. We've had Ben, we've got Aaron, we've got, uh, uh, so we've got uh, Keith in London. So, and that's, that's a good division of labor, knowing who is doing what and who is good at, uh, at what. Yeah, yeah just I, to, I, I just want to say, Tal, Tal, it's you, you've been doing such a great job uh, with ARI. Um, I feel like objectivism is out there in a way that has never been out there before, and I think people are really stimulated out there. I think we're stirring up the waters in a good way, and uh, that's we owe that uh, in great part to your energy and your creativity. Kudos. Thank, thank you, Mark. Uh, just to add to what uh, Nikos was saying about division of labor, I'm, I'm. I'm the first to admit, you know, we try to uh, to do those kind of initiatives at, within ARI. The DNA of ARI is much more, uh, I would say, uh, academic in nature, uh, and um, and I think we're doing something that is remarkably remarkably important. Of you know, kind of holding the the bar of of what what we call objectivism and and what objective scholarship means. And uh, it was hard to admit, but it, and it took a lot of internal discussions within ARI to say, look, Razi and his gang, you know, are just amazing in what they do and they need to go out there and do it and we need to support them. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to support you, Razi, and, and you're, I think you're, you're leading all of this. I mean, the, the relentless attitude and energy that you're bringing to it is, is, uh, is what drives all of it. And, and I hope you won't let this die anytime soon. So uh, keep on keep on pushing and uh, recruiting so many. I mean, the faces that I can see, I don't know if the audience can see the faces here on Zoom, but uh, it's just a remarkable collection of people and they're all bringing different types of expertise. And 
I like the engagement. I like the friction, by the way, that I hear about that happens because of it. And it's, it's like, like I said, part of the maturing of a, of a, of a movement. So uh, a lot of good stuff. Thank you, Tal. Okay, Razi. So what's next in the, in the program? Uh, by the way, I have to say that no one knows the program except from Razi. So whatever, whoever comes next is probably going to be a surprise for me. I mean, I can see some faces on Zoom, but only Razi knows, uh, knows what uh, to expect. So what are we doing next? I have to say, I also don't really know the program. I have a list of who is supposed to be when, but, uh, and, and by the way, this is, you know, this is, this is a part of, you know, Don Watkins was um, chief intellectual strategist at ARC UK uh, for six months. He's now full-time at ARI, but during those six months, he did make an impact. And a big part of that impact was the daily objective is now a much more organized show. I don't know if the world can see this, uh, uh, you know, as much as we see it behind the scenes, but we actually, you know, plan it out in advance. And today's show also, like I have, uh, you know, pretty much everything planned out, but uh, if whether or not everything actually um, happens on time, well, we, we already said we're behind schedule, so I, uh, I guess it won't be exactly on time, but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, so I, I can, Don Watkins will not be on this show today, but we can, we, we should thank him for uh, um, his, his work with uh, ARC UK. Uh, and yes, we did have a guest scheduled who I think is going to be here uh, any minute now. So uh, Nikos and Mark, if you have anything to add while we uh, wait for our guest. He, his internet is, uh, is, he's having internet issues, so he will be here in any minute. Okay, yeah. So uh, my favorite thing, if I, have to, if I have to choose, my favorite thing have been the movie reviews. And why is that? Because, for example, I again, I just what did I appreciate as audience? I remember when I was consuming uh, material by Yaron Brook. I liked when once every many months he would do a movie review. And I would th and think about when you were in your first steps, let's say in objectivism, and you are consuming everything that you can find, and you watch a movie, let's say Fight Club, and you wonder what do objectivists say about Fight Club, or has any objectivist spoke about Fight Club, and I'm very happy that the answer now is yes. Some objectives have talked about Fight Club. There was this episode about uh, John Gold versus, uh, uh, versus Tyler Durden and speak about the devil. Look who just showed up. So, Razi, I'm giving the microphone Mark back to the you. Devil. I'm not the devil. You, you, you've got it all confused. Um, yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, if, uh, if if this show feels like it's also a little bit of a fundraiser, it absolutely is. And I was thinking, you know, if we if we raise as much money during this uh, episode as uh, any given episode of the Aron Brook show raises, we I don't want to say by what percentage uh, it will increase our annual budget, but it's it's a lot. Uh, and, you know, who better to help us with that than Aron Brook himself? Hi, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. My internet was down. It just it just popped right back up. So uh, here we are. Uh, wow, that's a, it's quite a VAP uh, panel you have on right now. That's impressive. 
Yeah, and there, there's more to come. By the way, uh, the people on YouTube can't see everybody that you can see, uh, but they will they will see everybody uh, as we as we go along. Uh, so when Tal was talking, I, I or when I introduced him, I mentioned that he is also the host of uh, Reverse Engineering Happiness on on this channel, and you are also uh, the host of a show that I I like to say is on hiatus uh, at the moment. Your own debates, Europe. It's a pretty long hiatus. Uh, it's it's longer than actually the duration of the show so far. But uh, yeah, I I think that show you know um, it it was difficult to produce, um, which is a big part of why it's it's no longer on. But yeah. I think I think some of it uh, you know we definitely had some some great debates there. And uh, I I do the reason I say it's on hiatus is because I think we uh, you know. There is a way to do it right, and I'm hoping we will uh, revisit that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It was uh, it was fun to do. Uh, I, I don't think in this case I was the talent that was being difficult, but um, or caused the show to be hard to produce. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to resurrecting. So this is your 500th show. I mean, that's um, that's pretty amazing. How do you how do you even know? I, I, I was looking on YouTube because I was trying to think. Okay, how many shows have I done? I, I want to compare. And I, I can't figure it out, so I have no idea. Um, but uh, how long is 500 shows over what period of time, Buzzy? Uh, the first episode was June 5th, um, 2020. So, yeah, we barely missed a day in the past uh, couple of years. So um, that's, uh, that, is, that is really impressive. Since we have Yaron here, whenever I'm with Yaron, I try to absorb like information. So, Yaron, what's the key in producing in doing content creation on objectivism where the material is not, I'm going to teach you objectivist, but I'm going to use objectivism to comment on stuff. So how do you do it and why was, where do you assign your success? Well, I don't know. I don't know what success means completely in this context, but um, I think the key is to have objectivism integrated into the way you think about the world. So that it's not like, okay, this is my opinion about, I don't know, what's happening in Ukraine. Now let me overlay objectivism onto it and try to try to integrate it. it it's that hopefully um, my opinion about Ukraine already has the kind of objectivism integrated into it. And uh, while periodically I'll try to bring out the philosophical principles behind it, um, Hopefully, most of my listeners get it from just they see it. They see the analysis applied to this this situation, this situation, this situation, and they start getting a theme implicitly, rather than me having to say, "Look, altruism. Look, there's altruism. There's altruism." They get, and and then you start seeing people in the comments saying, "Yeah, that's altruism," uh, you know, because they got it. And a lot of the people listening to my show are, are complete beginners. They're new to objectivism. Uh, which is what makes the show fulfilling. Um, and I think uh, so. And I think that's the real contribution. So I think it really is integrating, having objectivism, just part of the way you think about the world. All right. And also, uh, what about the continuity in terms of always coming with something original? I remember uh, we were dis you were discussing with Raz and you told him at some point, well, you've been doing this for like three months. Good luck trying to find material every day for, for years. So 
How do you find, how do you choose your topics and how do you decide what to do? On, so, for example, with Ukraine, uh, at some point you, do, you did something on uh, why we overestimate Russia or how, Rus- how Ukraine can win. So how, do you, how can you come with original material when you return to similar themes? So, for example, back in the day it was inequality, then uh, Trump, then Ukraine. How do you make sure that there's originality in your takes, at least periodically? Well, first you have to recognize that you're just not going to be original all the time. You're constantly repeating. You're constantly repeating. You have to be, right? Because uh, there just isn't that much new to say about the world. It, 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 so, um, and the fact is people are entertained by repetition. They, they don't mind. I, yes, I always obsessed about, God, I can't say that again because people have heard it. Well, first of all, not the same people are listening to every show. And secondly, they don't, they don't retain it. And, and if you say it in an entertaining way and you bring in a new concrete, they benefit from it. And look, if you look at all the successful talk show hosts out there, you know, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, the, the Mike Lev- the, the Levins, the, the, you know, Tucker Carlson, whatever, they repeat all the time. They're constantly saying exactly the same thing. They're just using a slightly different concrete and slightly different this, and, and that's great. And then the other thing is, is that I don't, I, don't, I don't consider myself in any kind of significant way uh, an original thinker, right? So I'm, in a sense, I'm trying to take somebody else's ideas that I've integrated into my own thinking, Ayn Rand's ideas, and apply them as, as best that I can. But I'm not trying to invent a new philosophy or make some deep philosophical statement that nobody ever, nobody has made before. I, I leave that to, to the philosophers in uh, in the audience and the people who really think deeply about philosophical issues. I'm trying to take what I know for mine, which is, so I'm in a sense repeating her, not as accurately maybe as she would like, um, and um, and then trying to apply it to the various concretes that that, exi- that exist. And, and I'm doing it off the cuff for the most part. I prepare, but, but, I don't have notes, uh, detailed notes. I'm doing it off the cuff. So uh, I just accept the fact that I'm going to be repetitive. So I'm going to talk about Ukraine today. And I'm going to say Putin has already lost for the, like the 75th time. But it's okay <laughs> to repeat that. And because people still don't get it. And, and they still don't quite understand what it means to say that Putin has already lost and why he's lost. And, it's, it's, and why that's a good thing. And that's worth repeating. So, um, uh, yes, I don't. I don't have a problem repeating. How do I find material? You know, you just have to open up. I don't know. I open up Google News. That's my kind of source for scanning the news. Just going down the various headlines, and there's something to say. You know, you you can do it off the cuff. I mean, there's something to say about every piece of news that's out, uh, and whether it's interesting or not. It, it, It's not always, but uh, this, we should have, if you, again, if you've got objective, we're so different, we're so unique, we're so original, uh, or Ayn was, and we're applying this unique and interesting philosophy, that we should have something interesting to say about every piece of news um, that's coming out. That's a good thing always to remember. We have a huge competitive advantage to everyone else, which is we have a philosophy which is unique and which is uh, which is original and, so and for aspiring no, intellectuals i would do that i would open up the newspaper the wall street journal new york times it doesn't matter what the newspaper is it doesn't matter how biased it is it doesn't matter any of that and just scan the headlines 
and think, what do I have to say about this topic? What do I have to say about this topic that's a little different than what I hear on CNN and Fox and, and, and the rest of it? What is it that's, that's my unique take on this particular thing? And, 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 and run the exercise. It's a good kind of exercise to, to keep you uh, fresh and to, keep, uh, and, and, and to keep it interesting. Good. So there's no question Yaron is the yardstick to anyone who wants to create content uh, in the objectivist movement. So uh, well, you guys for- are eating me. You're doing something every day. That's, you know, I get sick and I don't do it for a while. And it's like, and I, I you know, so there's this healthy competition going on here. But yeah, isn't it amazing that we now have, I mean, constantly I get complaints from people that there's too much content and they can't keep track of everything. And that while I'm doing my show, Harry might doing his and, There might be something else going on. You know, Robert, I think, has done some shows. Robert Naser, who's on here, maybe the rest of you can't see him. But Robert's doing a show, and, and, and there's just there's so much going on that, it's, um, that it's, uh, it's great. It's ridiculous and great. Um, now, we just need to make sure now to get, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of people watching. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. The, the reason sometimes I disagree with Razi, I don't like, quote, celebratory episodes, because I think we're, if we were not in the hundreds of thousands, why do we celebrate? We should be doing much, much, much better, and we should be working much, much, much uh, harder or more efficiently. Well, that's the next step. The next step is now, now that you've got the content being produced, the next step is to figure out marketing it, in, and uh, you know, we need, I think as a movement generally, we need to be putting real resources into how to market. Cause we've got, I mean, it, it's not just all the con- new content that's being produced. Think about all the available content of Leonard's that's now online, all the, uh, all the stuff at the university of Leonard's and other people think of all the Ayn Rand stuff that's online. And it's a tragedy that it's not being consumed by millions of people. And, and the challenge now, I think at the Institute for you guys, for me, for everybody else is, is how do we get, how do we get the word up? How do we get the word up? Good. You know, and, and uh, how do we get more publicity and it's all about publicity and marketing and figuring out marketing um, is hard. And then hoping there's enough people in the world who are still sane enough to appreciate it. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic this afternoon, but I have to change my attitude by Ocon because I'm giving a talk at Ocon on why I'm still an optimist. So I'm, I'm working on it. I'm really, I'm going to try over the next month and a half to uh, live up to the title of my talk. All right. You're an optimist Thanks. because you live in Puerto Rico and not California. Um, yeah, uh, that helps. The fact that the sun is shining And then I pay no taxes. And for the most part, whatever politics happens in Puerto Rico, which I'm sure is bad, is all done in Spanish. And I don't understand a word of it. All of that helps a huge amount. Uh, so uh, move to a foreign, foreign language country where you don't understand what's going on politically is my number one recommendation if you want to uh, be optimistic about politics. All right, Yaron, I know you uh, you need to go, uh, but... Thanks again for joining yeah. us. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, Nikos and I definitely disagree on whether we should do episodes celebrating ourselves. I'm a big fan of them, even though I also want to get to hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, one of the reasons is because we have people like Aron Brook, like Tal. I mean, look, in the first 
uh, the first three guests, I'm, I'm going to, it's just a spoiler for who the next guest is, but the first three guests are 75% of all of ARI's CEO, CEOs in, in, uh, in its history. So, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, there's, well, I mean, yeah, that that's, that's not going to get you the hundreds of thousands. <laughs> it's, it's relying on stuff like that, that keeps us in, in low numbers. There has to be a way to break out from our little universe and and go out out into uh, into the world. Uh, the CEO of a of a major tech company just tweeted uh, that he just read Atlas Shrugged. Finally, read Atlas Shrugged, um, and now he, he gets it. And uh, and and it's great. You know, he does a, the heroes. He's not convinced of, but he loves. He thinks the villains. But but just the fact that he did that, and then he said, "You cannot believe the number of people who privately." communicated with me that Atlas Shrugged changed, their, you know, was a huge influence on their careers. So, um, uh, and he has 250,000 Twitter followers. Those are the numbers we need. And when we get those numbers, we win. So, um, Who's that tech guy? Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I Tom, saw it like Tom 10 Taylor minutes ago on Twitter. Um, I can find it because I uh, I retweeted or, or did something, so it's in my it's in my feed somewhere. It's Austin Allred, CEO and co-founder of Bloomtech. Yeah, and uh, Paul Graham. If you know who Paul Graham is, he's a real big shot in Silicon Valley. Uh, asked a question, and there was there was a little bit of an exchange. So uh, uh, it's. Uh, He's the kind of guy who people read. So yes, again, 250,000 followers. So um, it's good. All right, everybody. Good luck. Um, Razi and Nikos, congratulations. Uh, great job. And uh, keep it going. And again, now that you have the content and you can celebrate the content, you know, next year we can celebrate the, uh, maybe not the hundred thousands. How about we get to the thousands? And then 10,000s the next year and then the hundred thousands as a goal for 2025. Sounds like a plan. I like that. And uh, yeah, your own debate Europe returns soon. Uh, keep an eye out on uh, social media. <laughs> I, li- I like it when Razi commits me to stuff. Um, <laughs> that's okay. As long as he can meet my terms, uh, everything is good. All right, guys. Have a great day. Uh, I'm on tonight at eight, if anybody is interested. Bye. Eight Eastern. Bye. Um, all right. Yeah. As I mentioned, we're behind schedule. So our next guest, let's, uh, let's, um, yeah, as I, well, I said, I kind of, uh, said who it is, uh, but yeah. Um, so Jim Brown is our next guest and Jim, uh, has a show on the channel and he is, um, uh, yeah, I mentioned that the first three guests are, um, uh, ARI CEOs, uh, 75% of ARI CEOs. They're also, um, uh, yeah, Mike Berliner is the only ARI uh, CEO in history who hasn't had a show on the channel yet, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, yeah, there's always hope to uh, make that happen. Uh, but Jim, thank you for joining us. Uh, are you unable to unmute? That is a, uh, that's going to be fixed. There it is. Okay. You can you hear me now? Yeah. How's it going? Okay. Okay, great. Um, first of all, I have 
<clears throat> excuse me, I have a bit of a unstable internet connection. I've been going in and out for this, so I hope that doesn't uh, make it too tough. But uh, let me, at the risk of being too too redundant, add my uh, congratulations to Rosie. Uh, and uh, something Tal said reminded me, you know, Woody Allen said half of life is showing up, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> I mean, that sounds trite, but it's not. It's true. Rosy keeps coming back. He's persistent. I can't tell you how many times I've told him I didn't want to do this show anymore <laughs> because I'm supposed to be retired, right? Uh, that's actually not the reason. I have a... Um, I have another project, but I'm trying to integrate it with this. But uh, Razi is persistent, and uh, he's the obviously, as far as I know, the driving force behind this. And so, good on you, Razi. And um, I, I, I'm there's no doubt this wouldn't work without you. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, so, uh, Razi, well, let me just open real quickly, and I don't want to be brief. The way I, what I do is I do finance Fridays and uh, I have a very particular interest and that is uh, money creation and its consequences. Now, how does that relate to objectivism? I think I can explain that pretty easy, but uh, the way I see uh, what I'm doing uh, fitting into the entire, if you want to call it objectivist movement, Tal laid out the um, the new has laid out a very good new mission for ARI. I think it's I think it's exactly what ARI should be doing, uh, and uh, it's up to entrepreneurs like Razi, call them intellectual activists or uh, organizers of intellectual activists to apply and get the word out there. And we don't have to be we don't have to be perfect. Uh, you know, intellectuals, we don't have to be uh, professional philosophers. But uh, what I do is I look at money creation and its consequences through an objectivist lens. Now, my idea and my mission is not to uh, proselytize objectivism. But objectivism helps me understand what I am looking at. It is actually a... a, a uh, almost like a secret weapon that you can use to understand the world. That's why I think it's valuable to my interest in my I write a separate Substack column. I've been writing it for a year. My idea grow the audience organically. I'm a terrible marketer. I don't know if I'm a great writer, but I'm a better writer than I am a marketer, but it's growing organically anyway. I just, you know publicize it as I can through LinkedIn and Twitter a little bit. Nobody follows me on Twitter. So if you want to follow me, please do. Um, so uh, my view is that, uh, that no one understands money creation today. Everyone thinks that uh, money is created in some way that it's actually not. All money creation today comes from pure credit creation. It's pure money out of thin air. Even the dollar bills that you hold in your hand had their origin in a, in a bank as an, as an imaginary fictitious deposit, deposit that eventually got reprocessed into a dollar bill with the help of the Federal Reserve. I won't, 
go into into it more than this. But but people don't understand that. They don't understand that when they go to a bank and get a loan, they think they're borrowing someone else's money, and that's not true. The bank's creating new money for them to borrow, for them to use. Now that just sounds shocking to maybe even some people on this forum, but that's actually factual. My my view is that people don't understand money creation. They don't understand what don't understand what banks do, and even more important, they don't understand how government policy and government regulatory agencies affect, nudge, and force the banking system into money creation, and that where that money creation goes first, who gets it first, has a huge impact on the economy. And further, that money creation is actually used as a weapon of the government and increasingly is used as a weapon of public policy. This is accelerating, which we have seen in the last couple of years during COVID. So it was a very fortuitous time for me to launch my Substack uh, column because um, it's like a laboratory in which you can view the consequences of money creation in a concentrated Petri dish and see exactly what happens when government does certain things. So uh, my mission is to uh, understand this better. I've gained some understanding over many years in the financial industry. I want to increase my understanding and pass it on to people because uh, number one, the value that it offers to other people is to number one, understand the financial world you live, live in so that you can defend yourself against happening financial repression that results from money creation. You can defend yourself and hopefully survive and even prosper in a difficult world. And then the second reason is, I guess if I'm speaking as a citizen, become a better voter. You know, uh, improve the world you live in by uh, being able to uh, advocate and by being able to uh, identify and vote for better political candidates who will support sounder money policies. So those are the two sort of cash values that you would get by um, studying what I'm doing. Now, the, the, the interesting part to me is that there's so much that you can say about current events and current affairs, current financial news, by studying money creation and its consequences, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere you look. It's every rock you look under. There's some relationship between money creation and every uh, phenomenon, either good or bad, that you see in the financial world. Therefore, someone talked about running out of material earlier. I will never, ever run out of material. I have no, that is not a problem. Um, my, my issue is to, to uh, identify what seems most important, most interesting, and um, uh, money creation and its consequences. Okay, so... Um, I think everyone knows that uh, Ayn Rand was a, an advocate of uh, a gold standard because she understood that uh, free trade was essential to human well-being, uh, that uh, 
money that gold and creation of uh, money through gold mining was the essential way that the market settled on trade. The gold was the most perfect money that has been yet devised. And out of that system, we developed a whole bunch of habits and a whole legacy of money. Well, a lot of those legacy pieces are still with us. I mean, the dollar bills that we, that we use, to the extent that we still use them, look an awful lot like the dollar bills you used back in 1928 or 1910. They're very similar looking banknotes. But what's underneath them is entirely different. It's entirely different. So um, uh, to understand the difference between sound money, market money, rational money, voluntary money, and the fiat semi or semi-fiat uh, system that we have today is very instructive, but it's invisible to most people. It's, to me, the most uh, significant um, sort of political, economic uh, I don't know, area of study that is not understood. I mean, we talk about the war all the time, but no one understands, few people understand or even think about where the money is coming from, how it's created, and how it's disseminated. And what a powerful force that is for government to have and how they can, how they can wield their power with that uh, um, ability and I hope someday we can. Uh, oh, I hope someday that we can, under, in understanding it, we can change that system. I, I think I'll I'll uh, stop there. And if anyone has any issues, so I was about just that, checking out your Substack. It's Hard Money Jim. And do you want to tell us also your uh, Twitter? Because why not uh, grow this as well? Oh, well, that's a great idea. But uh, I, as I say. I'm at uh, Twitter. I am at Hard Money Jim, at Hard Money Jim. But uh, I have to tell you, um, I've tried to take lessons from Alex Epstein on how to grow a Twitter audience, and I, you know, take his tips and I write. I have on my walls his tips and that kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm bad at it, and um, I, I would like to get better. But uh, I'm so consumed with understanding and researching and, and writing in in the. Uh, in my daily uh, activity that uh, I, I have concentrated mostly on the Substack uh, channel. I also am on, I also am, uh, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Jim, Brown, uh, Jim Brown CFA. I actually get a lot of subscribers from LinkedIn. I have a larger following there, but and it's, Jim, a better, every, it's a better audience for me, perhaps. Every now and then we give uh, awards uh, among us for the objectivist universe. I think you deserve the award for the coolest Twitter profile pic, the one riding the horse with the cigar and the <laughs> cowboy hat. That, uh, that, definitely, that definitely wins it. Well, that's me in the afternoons, so. <laughs> uh, by the way, I do want to say... Those, those, uh, little, those little... Go ahead, Razi. No, no, you, you go ahead. I would just say those those ribbons in the back uh, of me are ribbons. My horse, one of my horses, won. Some of them, even with me on them, but yeah. Um, and I wanted to say that uh, you know your your show on Fridays. I mean, if you just look at the comments, uh, you know it, it is appreciated by many. Again, we don't have the uh, um, 
you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers that we want yet. But uh, actually, your your show this past Friday uh, had a higher viewership than four of the five episodes of The Daily Objective last week. So uh, uh, you have many fans out there. And, and the fact that you said you're never going to run out of material, I think, is something that those fans are happy to hear. Yeah, I, I won't I won't run out of material, but I don't know if I'll run out of ability and time. So that, that the material is not. But anyway, I'm I'm hard at it, and I'm I'm very glad to be doing it, Rosie. Uh, one thing everyone should know: I'm not going to give investment advice. So. We lost you. I don't that know if you can hear me, but uh, we lost you after I'm not going to give investment advice, which I think was the important part of that, that statement. Right. Correct. Yep. All right. What's, so what time is the show on Fridays? It's um, 7 p.m. UK time. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Jim. And our uh, next guest is the first guest uh, today on the show who... Uh, has never yet been CEO of ARI, and uh, I think I think we can uh, we can all agree that she is also the best uh, dressed guest today. Uh, Amanda, oh, I, I need to tell the producer who that guest is. That is Amanda Max. <laughs> um, hey, Amanda. Uh, now you should be able to unmute. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, we're playing like duck, duck, goose, only it's CEO, 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 Amanda. <laughs> this is why you, well, you all get up and like run and chase me around. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I, well, I was going to say you you are, uh, you know, um, much like the previous guest, uh, you uh, were hosting a show that I also hope will uh, come back soon, Reverse Engineering Happiness with Tal Svani. And uh, that was on ARC UK's YouTube channel and not on ARC UK's uh, YouTube channel. You are the host of uh, a show that I refer to as uh, the Firefly of Objectivism because it was a great show that uh, ended way too soon. Um, so, yes, awesome. man. Or the Unfinished Symphony, if you want to give a Fountainhead a parallel. Wow, oh, thank you. We should finish that symphony. <laughs> uh, okay, well, hello, everyone. Thank you. Um, actually, Razi accidentally gave this T-shirt to me for free. So uh, thank you for the, for the shirt. Okay, so my mission in life, well, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm one of these people, I'm working on my central purpose. But my mission in life, as far as I have it here in my iPhone notes, is to, to find and connect with with heroes and to help amplify their their passion. So that's what I want to do. Um, and I've got a couple of ways for you to help me to do that. So one is the happiness team. If you haven't yet checked it out, it's at myhappiness.team. We're having a virtual conference um, or virtual workshop at the end of, or at the beginning of June. Um, so go, go there and apply. If you think, you know, check it out. I'd love to, to see you there. Um, yeah, the, and Tal is the, he's the head of the happiness team. Um, he's, I think of Tal as sort of bursting with energy to tell everyone how he became a happy hero. And um, I love that. I've learned a lot from, you know, from him and from being in the happiness, the happiness team. And I want to see more people 
you know, figure out who they are and achieve what they, you know, get what they want out of life, which is why it's so exciting for me to be a part of it. And yeah, so come check that out. And so let me, let me tell people yeah. the immense value I got twice from Amanda. First was summer of 2020. It was one random event. It was like a meetup. I wasn't even supposed to present it, but then something Razi couldn't do it. We had the internet problems. So probably, probably even Amanda doesn't remember it. But I was in Greece and you were talking about you, that point, Amanda, you wanted to kick off something like a internet tutoring program. So you were trying to figure out what does the best teacher look like, how they would approach their teaching, something like that. So for some very weird reason, this was the first time that I thought, why am I living somewhere that I don't want to live and going to an office, whereas I could do something like what Amanda is trying to do, which is be the master of your own time and be a teacher, but be a teacher in your own terms. So fast forward, this was the first time that I said, okay, maybe I shouldn't say, oh, one day I want to return to Greece or go to somewhere where I like. I should put it into action. Fast forward one year later, we meet again with Amanda now under the auspices of the happiness team. And as I said more than once, I joined the happiness team with one particular aim, persuade myself to make a career change and go full-time in objectivism and gain geographical independence. I gave myself some like two years window to do it. Three months after I joined the happiness team, I handed in my, uh, my notice to my university and I signed a full uh, time contract with uh, ARI. So Amanda, you've had a big impact, at least to one person. That person is uh, me. So a big thank you. Probably again, last year, you probably don't even remember that episode, but for some reason it had an effect on me. Um, that is amazing to hear, Nikos, because you, um, you act like a hero and you definitely have the beard of a hero. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it's incredible that I would have in, inspired you in, in any way. That's amazing. Thanks, so, Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. I, oh, the other thing I want you to check out is my podcast. It's at happiestpodcast.com. It's called The Happiest Man Alive. <laughs> you probably, well, you heard from The Happiest Man Alive a little bit earlier. Um, but the idea is that the happy, there's a man claiming to, to be the happiest man alive called me and asked me you know, whether or not I could prove that that was true as a scientist, like, could I, is there a way to, to, to know if you're the happiest man alive or if someone claims they're the happiest man alive really is. And it sparked this, um, like a, a journey in me where I, I you know, kind of came to this realization that, yeah, I was doing stuff that was, you know, good, but I wasn't really, you know, grabbing life by the horns and, and riding it <laughs> the way that the happiest man alive was. And, and why not? I only have one to live and I want to make the most out of it. Um, so you can follow me on, you know, me trying to puzzle this, this happiness thing out, which I'm still trying to puzzle out um, and by listening to, to my podcast. And other than that, thank you for, um, yeah, for your time and attention and for having me on the channel, which I very much enjoy. Thanks a lot, Amanda. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. And, and uh, by the way, the podcast I mentioned was Rise and Fall. Uh, there, there were four episodes. Uh, you should listen to all of them. And, uh, you know, I, I hear that Firefly is coming back for season two. So uh, yeah, we'll see about Rise and Fall as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Um, okay. There's, uh, so 
we uh during this show will also be you know saying some stuff about uh, why you should become a member of the Ayn Rand Center UK why you should become a um, member of the YouTube channel which uh you can do right now as we speak I mean you can do both of those as as we speak um but something that we are uh so one of the perks of membership uh and this is through uh, whatever level of membership you are, um, is you get to be a part of our uh, book club, which started about a year and a half ago, uh, the Fiction Book Club. We went through, um, you know, Rand's works and uh, and some other works, and we, we left out The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged because I wanted, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do it right. I think we're now ready to do it right. So we are launching that tomorrow. And uh, in the first session, uh, we will have uh, our next two guests here uh, present. So uh, the first of those is Lisa Van Dam. Uh, now, Lisa, uh, I'm sure you all know her, but she's also a, a host, co-host of a show on this channel, Enjoy Parenting. And um, uh, yeah, other than tomorrow, Lisa, you will, uh, you know, you will appear not not in every uh, session, but you will appear uh from time to time in, in the Fountainhead Book Club, which um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure everyone else is. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with adults and seeing how that differs from my, my years of teaching it to teens. Um, I just had, I just finished, well, I, I finished teaching it a couple of months ago, but just uh, finished the um, students have all entered the Fountainhead essay contest this year. So though that's supposed to be for 11th and 12th graders, we get uh, permission for our eighth graders to, to, to submit, um, to submit their essays to it. And uh, we've had quite a few winners in the past, or at least people who have placed with honorable mention. So It'll be fun to see. So it seemed like there was a theme here of conversations you were having prior to my arrival. Is there? Um, well, the theme is uh, ARC UK generally, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think uh, you know one of one of the great uh, things that that came out of uh, you know ARC UK having this uh, this YouTube presence is uh, you being a regular presence on the channel, uh, having your own show, but also being on the Daily Objective from time to time and on uh, Artful Tuesdays. And um, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we... Well, I think my first invitation was to the celebration for Leonard Peikoff's birthday, which was an amazing way to get started. It was... Uh, a thrill to be able to tell some of my stories and share my affection and ad and profound admiration for Leonard. Um, so that was a good start. And then after that, I think you had many, many things you wanted me and still continue to have many of things, <laughs> many things you want me to be a part of. And the major hurdle for me personally was I always describe myself as someone who thinks on paper. Um, I, for some reason, really do not like extemporaneous speaking. And I think anybody who's attended my lectures probably knows that well, that they are all 
very meticulously planned out in advance. There's there's no notes and walking around the stage. Um, so that's my comfort zone. And there were lots of things that you are doing. And I so admire um, everything that you've accomplished with this that I wanted to be a part of just to be supportive, but I had to overcome that that intimidation. So it's been good. It's been a good exercise for me. Um, and hopefully I've made some good contributions to the big picture. Definitely. And uh, among my favorite episodes are the ones we're doing discussing films. So mm-hmm. soon we're going to also do Weplus. So here's a, here's the thing, like when, when you discuss about art, where does objectivism come in? Mm-hmm. So Because, you know, quite often we got a lot of pushback saying, oh, no, La La Land is not an objectivist film. It has malevolent universe pyramid. So you have people who are like, you know, the party line says you would, you shouldn't <laughs> like this piece of art. So how do, you, how do you approach this? How do you approach talking about the art that you like within, let's say, a quote, uh, objectivist framework or lens? Um. There's no one better than Leonard Peikoff on topics like this. So I, anybody who has that question, what value can I get from things that I'm not philosophically aligned with? Just listen to his talk, um, The Survival Value of Great but Philosophically False Art. I think that's the title. It's a a mouthful of a title, but I think that was the title. Um, That that was very eye-opening for me. I don't think I was somebody who was resistant to malevolent fiction or to fiction that um, I didn't agree with philosophically even prior to that, but there he helped really conceptualize what the value is. Um, This just came up recently because in my read with me group, I'm leading through, (laughs) Shoshana's nodding, she knows well, I'm leading people through a book called Tess of the Durbervilles, which is about the most malevolently fatalistic novel (laughs) that's ever been written. And I'm strongly encouraging people to read and relish this novel. I love this novel so much. Um, but it's, it's could, could absolutely. You, could, could you explain to me uh, what it is you love about it? Is it her, her <laughs> overwhelming passion? Is that what it is? I do love the character of Tess, but the, this is what came up in conversation yesterday with the group. I had a couple of people who had experienced enough that they could sort of see what value, but they were saying, okay, tell me what on earth I'm supposed to enjoy about this because it's so so grim and it's more than almost any novel I know, the universe is stacked against the good characters. It's so, so male- malevolent. So there, are, there are evil characters, but beyond that, the universe itself is just evil and out to destroy the good. Um, so I'll try to keep this very brief because I know you've got a lot of valuable people who need to get talking here, but um, As Leonard does in his lecture, I tried to put it in terms of the lens that great authors can give you as opposed to what it is you're seeing through that lens. So it's the lens itself rather than what's on the other side of what what it is that you're viewing. So there's, because Thomas Hardy is a genius and an absolutely brilliant, insightful, astute uh, thinker and writer, There's an enormous pleasure I get, and I think value I get from just viewing the world with his ability to distill things into essences. 
Um, so what he ultimately distills it to on the whole might be something that I find, um, you know, so, sort of horrific uh, in terms of his worldview or his, his philosophy of life. But there's so much along the way that's so beautiful and so insightful and has such a masterful use of language and description and is so illuminating both of kind of the philosophic questions that are important and illuminating of certain discrete insights within a whole that might be objectionable that even though it's dark and um and unpleasant there's a power that i feel like i get from that experience that makes my that tre tremendously enhances my uh the way i live my life um so that's that's a brief indication. I'm going to have to review the book. It's been a long time since I've read it. And I'm, I would love to hear your thoughts if you do. And our discussions that we've been having are um, available on the Read With Me app and on YouTube. Um, so you can hear what we've had to say about it if you're interested. Um, so yes, the parenting podcast has been a lot of fun. That's been uh, a really, um, you know, it's, not, it's, uh, I don't fancy myself a parenting expert, although I do, um, I do love parenting. And I think there's, uh, I, I'm someone who the people often come to for advice, um, just personally, because they can see how much I love it and how much satisfaction I derive from from it. So it's been fun to work with Kyle, who's, who is so brilliant and so insightful to work with him at kind of formulating principles and identifying things that are instinctive for the most part for the two of us. Um, but we want to make them more explicitly formulated to improve our lives as parents and to help anybody who might not have the same instincts or um, has struggles of any kind. I mean, I, um, you know, as, as you know, I'm not a parent and not planning to be one. And I love that show. So I watch it regularly and it's, it's a fantastic show. And, and I can uh, only imagine that people who are parents or are planning to be parents uh, would get great value from that. And um, on, on the uh, topic of uh, um, daily objective episodes, so I think there are a couple that we have in the works, right? You and Nikos have something that I forget what it's about, but it's... Uh, uh, we plus whiplash and also we have an episode that we're planning to do about the different uh tv shows about fraudsters mm. or, or you know are, are they fraudsters are they not uh yeah so um that's that's coming up at some sometime soon on the channel um, right so um is uh the WeWork founder a visionary or a criminal that's the question on the table right Yes. Are we focusing just on him? Actually, each of yeah. these shows can have its own its own episode, I think, because, uh, yeah, I, I've seen a bunch of them. They're, um, you know, all very interesting to watch. Uh, and there's in some of them, there's there's the question. I think there are some who you know, started off as, uh, you know, with good intentions and kind of became fraudsters. But, but yeah, we'll leave that uh, for the episode. Okay. 
So uh, thanks again, Lisa. And uh, again, uh, members of the Ayn Rand Center UK, uh, uh, Lisa will be joining tomorrow's session on uh, the first session of the Fountainhead, which- What time is that, Razi? That is 24 hours from now, a minus six minutes. So 7 p.m. UK time. Uh, that's nine your time, Nikos. Um, our next guest will also be uh, a part of that first session and uh, many other sessions um, going forward. That is Shoshana Milgram. Shoshana was also on um, uh, a show that we did on this channel, uh, The Psychology of the Fountainhead Characters, and another show, The Psychology of Atlas Shrugged Characters. Actually, maybe we should start with that. Uh, Shoshana, that is a uh, that that show is coming out as a book, right? At some point soon. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know about soon, but it is true that um, we learned a lot from doing it. We were very happy with the way that the discussions went and uh, people listened to them on YouTube. And it looks as if there might be a point to making that um, available in written form, because after all, you know, when you read some, you read a book, you might want to read about it. And so that might be happening. We're there is a difference between the way you talk and the way you write. And that's one of the things that we found out. And I actually wanted to say something about the whole format here, because initially when you first got in touch with me, I thought, well, I've got too much to do. I always have too much to do. But I, I think that, well, not too much, but you know, things that, it's, that 24 hours a day, I'm ha I have things to do. But one particular gift you have is to find things that people are willing to say yes to. And if you had asked me, say, to organize a show or to run a show or uh, to do the electronic stuff for it, you know, that would have been an easy no. But showing up to talk about the Fountainhead with, with Lisa and with people who are interested in the book, that I can say yes to. And I, I think that that's kind of what's happened every time, you know, talking about the psychology of the Atlas Shrugged characters with a psychologist and a philosopher and this book that I love and never seem to get tired of looking at. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a yes. And the whole idea that we're here, well, there's a thinker, Joubert, who said that it's better to raise issues without settling them than to settle them without really raising them. You know, and so there's a kind of exploration spirit. And that's, that's a yes, that's, that's interesting to me. And that questions can be discussed without the answers always being in the back of the book. And there can be different points of view that are defensible and that are not exactly the same. So that, that was interesting to me. I mean, that was interesting when we did the Fountainhead, it was interesting when, um, Fountainhead characters, when we did the Atlas Shrugged characters. And there was a time on Fridays when we had, there was a book club with members on We the Living. And that was interesting. It, again, I said, yes, I thought I'll go to the first one, see how that goes. And that ended up being a highlight of my Fridays. In that semester, I wasn't teaching at the university on Fridays, so there was no conflict. And that was, you know, spending more time with Iron Man's novels because part of getting ready, I would read things again. That was interesting for me. And so tomorrow, you know, we're going to have the Fountainhead. We are not running it. Someone else is doing electronic stuff and setting the structure and presumably doing the assignments. But um, I will, I'll be looking over the beginning of it and certainly always happy to answer questions or to start answering questions and to turning them back to the people who ask the questions and what 
What do you think there? Um, a point that Lisa made a minute ago about what do we get from literature that is not uh, expressive necessarily of our philosophical values. Well, a lot of literature is even, you know, literature that is 90% expressive, there's going to be 10% that isn't. You don't go to literature for a philosophical mirror, nor do you go to it as a how-to book. We know this, right? That you, you can't uh, treat literature as if this is going to tell you everything that you go out tomorrow to do. But nonetheless, as Leonard Peikoff said in that lecture, and as I think we've all experienced, you do get something from being in the company of a great soul. And you know, Thomas Hardy, unfortunately for him and for Tess and for other characters we love, uh, he devoted his great soul to some uh, problematic worldviews. I don't know. Well, what do you think? You think that uh, Dominique, if she hadn't met Rourke and she just turned into a novelist, how do you think that would have worked out? I think those books would have been worth reading. Just saying, you know, you and you would have said, oh. Ooh, I might disagree <laughs> with that one. Yeah. Okay. You might disagree with that one. That would be good. That's a good thing to talk about. I'm but I think Dominique that she's. Fan. Okay. But, um, well, that's, a, that's an interesting question, right? You know, I was certainly not, I'd be very unhappy if Dominique were my own daughter, you know, if that's the way she turned out. Um, I probably wouldn't want Dominique as a roommate. I didn't, I would certainly would not want Dominique as a doctor because, you know, the way she feels about life, you know, you don't want her near any medical equipment. Uh, on the other hand, I, I think that she might get somewhere if she were writing a novel. Okay. Because she's, well, you saw from her writing, you know, she's a very good writer. And, and you know what Ayn Rand said, you know, myself in a bad mood, I think, you know, I mean, in a bad mood, could still write good novels, just saying. So we'll, we'll have to get Dominique in here and see what novel she's writing. But I think that we could probably agree that someone, even with Dominique's view and in the early time of the novel before she's met Rourke and straightened out her view of the world, could be a creative genius and could create things worth reading, worth spending time with. And part of what I enjoy, you know, Lisa was saying that she likes the idea of talking about literature to adults. I like talking to about literature with people to whom I am not assigning grades and who I am not credentialing because I don't think that that particularly is conducive to having the best exploration of the literary texts. I mean, it's, it's necessary in the setting that pays my bills, but it's not my favorite part. You know, my favorite part is looking at books and the closer we get, the better it looks. And the better we look, the, the more we see, You're just uh, understanding more of, of what we see for good or for ill, it's, it's understanding and it's, it's beneficial. That's what I like. Years ago, one of my daughters um, in school was asked, what does your mother do? And she said, uh, my, my, my mommy likes reading books, writing about them, and helping other people understand and enjoy them. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll put that on my CD. You know, that's, that's, that, that's what I do. And this is a setting in which I can do that, and I enjoy doing it. And there's one more thing I think that's been fun for me, because yeah, I wouldn't be saying yes if it weren't fun for me, is there's... Um, there, 
even the, the Zoom thing, which we've all gotten tired of and the flat screen and so on, it's nonetheless true that when I'm talking to my own little camera and to the faces out there, it's maybe something like what Ayn Rand wrote about just before Galt's speech, you know, that it's not the tone of addressing a meeting, but the tone of addressing a mind, that each person, you know, one person at a time can hear what I say, can ask me things. I'm not great at the multitasking of following up the questions in the chat, but sometimes, you know, I see, I see people, they write to me and I see them reacting and that's, that's fun for me. So, you know, when, when I first heard Roz was going to ask me to do something, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to get on my, get ready to say nice, today to say no nicely. And then somehow I ended up saying yes. And ever since then, you know, it kind of turned into Ado Annie from Oklahoma, right? She's just a girl who can't say no. I can't sing it, but yeah, remember the song. So I, I have generally uh, been, been, been saying yes. And so uh, when I have other things to do, I can't, at the same time, I can't. As you all know, outside the world of Harry Potter, we can't really be in two places at the same time. Okay, so, you know, if I've got something else to do with the time things are scheduled, I, I can't show up, but I can, I'll, I'll be able to do you know, some of the Fountainheads, not not every, every Tuesday. And, oh, what's the other thing that I've done that was fun that we didn't mention? Um, with Kirk Barbera, we've been doing some plays and uh, some of them have been the eight great plays that, you know, the, the lecture series that turns the book from Leonard. And that's very, that's great. And part of what we do is that we, um, in addition to engaging with it, we also are promoting it so other people will know about it. People might tune in to hear what we're saying about Don Carlos. And then who's this Leonard Peikoff they're talking about? And then they, they follow up with that. We think that's a good thing. And I did the miracle. I picked out the miracle worker, even though that's not on the list. And this was, you know, Kirk and I talk about it. Anne Chickalella has been there sometimes. I think, Lisa, you did the Antigone, which is good. I taught Antigone just this semester in my literature in the law class. We, so, Sana, can, I ask, you, can I ask a question sure. which is probably in everyone's mind? Could you estimate how many times you've read Atlas Rugged and The Fountainhead? No. Um, I can say no to that. I, I don't think I could count. Um, but Maybe I could tell you how many copies I've worn out. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, I've, I'm on my fifth teaching copy of Atlas Shrugged, meaning that I've taught the other one so many times that they've gotten worn out, but I've read it more times than that. Um, you've probably heard the story about the first time I read Atlas Shrugged. It was right after uh, my freshman year and I'd met some objectivists and I was astonished to find out that there were so many things I didn't know. I used the word concept. I was told, you don't know what a concept is. It turned out I really didn't know what a concept was, but um, I wanted to find out. And I was told I've, I've got to read Atlas Shrugged right away. And the first time I read it, somehow it took me only 48 hours. And I don't think that I did anything else but read, but I did not skip anything. I did not skip the speech. I read the whole thing. And then, um, then I read it again. And then I read it one more time that summer. And I've been reading it a lot since. So no, I couldn't really guess how many times. What's true is that um, 
even though I've got several different copies, I kind of, if I've got the book in my hand, I remember where things are in it. You know, just sort of, you know. And Lisa, there, there, Lisa there, asks there if is. you have a photographic memory. No, I, I don't, but I have something. You know, like I sort of know where things are on the page. I can't always read all the pages, but, you know, I can find that. Now, of course, now we have Kindle, so everybody can do what I can do. You know, you just need to do a search. But yeah, I, I can, and I hear things. Well, you know, Ayn Rand's very good at writing prose that she she uses the exact right words. So it's not as hard to remember as it might be with other writers. And so you can, I can hear the rhythm and I can finish it. And so she's easier in some ways to find your way in than some other writers. But no, I couldn't tell you how many times, which doesn't mean that I know everything. Um, and I'm always happy. That's actually one of the fun things is when someone asks me a question I don't know the answer to, unless it's too terribly embarrassing. But I don't know that. I can find out. And um, happens in class sometimes that someone will ask me something and I, I need to look that up. I'll, I'll write it down and, and then I'll, I'll, go, I'll go find it. But no, I, I don't know how many times. Um, I have to say that uh, with, with We the Living, um, I've read that a number of times too, but I read the first edition only twice because I think it's a lot, I think the later edition's a lot better. And I didn't want there to be interference for me between the first and second. And well, since you asked, I'll tell you a really silly thing, which is it's unless it's true. Um, when I first found out that the her drafts were in the Library of Congress, I was very excited about that because I was going up to do lectures in the Smithsonian for you know, the general public on, um, on Ayn Rand. And I don't like to be late. So I would go, I would fly up there early in the morning and I had all these hours, what could I do? So I went to the Library of Congress and I went through the drafts and I had to be really careful not to be looking at a draft of something I was about to speak about because then there might be some interference. So when I was talking about the fountainhead, I would look at the shrug drafts and the other way around. But other than that, I can usually remember things unless I've got some interference of some other somewhat similar text that goes over in, in my head. You, yeah, I'm, I'm just right. sort of, I'm resisting the notion to grab in back of me something to show you what these things look like. Um, I'll, now I'm tempted to, to see it, but... All right, I'll, I'll show you. All right, this is, well, my other hat when I'm not having fun here is that, you know, I work on Ayn Rand's life and her creation and so on. And this is something I've been looking at. That's Rourke's big speech. And I think you can see that he didn't just think it up and talk. He also thinks on paper, right? He didn't just, you know, uh, uh, Jean Galt also, you know, had to, um, I'm sure he had to write it down. Again, I've got that, that's downstairs right now, but that's interesting to me. Um, so in a way, you could say that I'm reading, I'm always reading the books over and over again, because, you know, this is, this is the draft, but then, of course, there's 
the canonical version, uh, the way that she wrote it and published it, which is the way she wanted us to read it. Right. So, so uh, Susanna, I want to say again, thank you for your work. Also, your work appears in the essays on Ayn Rand's. I think it's in all the, its essays on Fountainhead and essays on With the Living and essays of Atlas Shrugged. So, Razi, I will have to pass you the baton of, uh, I mean, you're anyway the star and the producer of the show. So I have to jump to other uh, objectivist uh, work. But just let me say, you are one of a kind, as everyone has said, and you're someone who it's so difficult to say no to. But also, usually, whenever you disagree, history is, proves that you are right as on that disagreement on whether the daily objective should go on for two weeks or for longer. And I will say I'm very, very glad that I was wrong. And on that happy note, I salute and I'll see you in the daily objective soon. Thank you, Nikos. And thank you, Shoshana. And we, we will see you uh, tomorrow at uh, the session on the Fountainhead, which, by the way, is planned to be two hours long. I don't know if every session will be two hours long, but it might. So uh, we, we uh, you know, we'll, we'll discuss the... Um, uh, the show about Rand's essays, which is on Tuesday uh, later uh, on this show, but that is going to be uh, that is going to move to 9 p.m. UK time, so that if we do have to run for two hours with the Fountainhead group, we can. Uh, so I look forward to that um, tomorrow. And uh, yeah, um, so thanks again, Shoshana, sure, and sure. our our next guest. So wait, I mentioned wait, wait, before um, you before you uh, introduce the next guest, Razi, I have to split as well. So you're going to be the lone host from here on in. Um, all right. I think Jonathan Honig will join us at some point. But uh, yeah. So thanks, Mark. Mark, we will see you again uh, this week uh, on the Daily Objective. At it's least. Been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for all that you do, Razi, and uh, this esteemed uh, group of folks up here. I love uh, watching and listening to you all. You're awesome. And I can't wait to see what you're doing next. All right. Peace. Thanks. Um, now, okay. So uh, we, uh, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, when Don Watkins was with ARC UK, one of the things we did was we became more organized with the daily objective and we, we started having you know, production meetings and so on. Uh, you'll meet some of the behind the uh, scenes team uh, during the show, but, but um yeah, I think it was the first or second of, of uh, those meetings when uh, Shruti, who you will meet soon, um, suggested that we do we do at least once a week we dedicate an episode to sort of uh, going deeper on uh, on philosophical issues. And I remember during that meeting, I I, um, I said uh, you know uh, we should we should contact Jason Rines, and uh, she agreed, and I think Don agreed as well. And uh, yeah, we, we uh, I think it was from the first Friday uh, this year, we have uh, Dr. Jason Rines on uh, every Friday to do the daily objective deep dive. Um, and uh, Jason joins me now. Hey, Jason. Hi, Razi. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, I think that was the first episode uh, about Kant. Is that, is that... Uh, do you remember? The, the Maybe, remember. probably. Anyway, I remember like uh, the uh, it sort of we we started with uh, you know we started very strong and I think uh, we've been uh, 
the Friday episodes have been uh, have been going strong ever since. We can see that even in, in uh, viewership numbers. It's usually uh, either the most viewed episode of the week or just generally viewed more than uh, than average. We you know we might have another uh, well viewed episode. And uh, yeah, so uh, what? How how are you uh, enjoying the Friday episodes? And uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad to have the opportunity to do it, and um, I'm glad people are watching it and getting something out of it. Yeah, and I think you know one of the great things about these shows is you and Raka. Um, uh, Raka, Raka, by the way, is not here today, but we do have a video from him, so we will uh, show that later. But yeah, you and Raka have a great dynamic, I think, of, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, it's a student-teacher dynamic, and it's, I think it plays out very well on YouTube. It actually is, uh, in a way, it's, it's kind of ARC UK in a nutshell. You know, we, we say we're students of objectivism, and we do bring on people who, uh, you know, understand uh, the philosophy better understand generally uh you know different topics uh, that that you discuss on the friday shows better so um yeah thanks i i mean i i try i try uh there's been so i don't i, I don't know if the viewers know this but as a general rule I, I don't suggest um the topics usually they're they're suggested to me and and the most i often say is like eh, that's sort of that's too far out of my wheelhouse, but we'll usually my response is like, that's kind of out of my wheelhouse, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. Um, maybe as, as we go forward, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more proactive in suggesting some stuff that um, I want to talk about, but, um, but it's, but it's kind of fun. It's funny to me because um, we, um, uh, we haven't, I, I, like, we haven't done any where it's just like, um, Hey, um, here's this thing in Ayn Rand's philosophy or something like what's your take on it or do you want to explain it? But that's okay because I, I think some of what maybe the value I add um, in the objectivist intellectual sphere is some background in some other things, um, but also with the kind of philosopher training. So I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm just, I'm happy to do it all. So. Yeah, by the way, the uh, the punk rock episode was something that is unique. I actually have to confess, I was at a conference. I haven't actually watched it yet, but I did hear uh, very good things about it. I'm I'm glad. I, I mean, I came away thinking, oh God, that was terrible. I mean, like, look, my my expert my expertise in punk rock music is I like punk rock music. Um, and I'm not like I wasn't even a particularly punk kid like it wasn't even my scene per se I just really got into the music kind of as as I got older so you know it's just it's some of my thoughts about it and some of Rekka's thoughts and we're both just kind of saying what we like about it and um I guess that you know people people I guess I've listened to podcasts where people are just saying like I like this and they talk about why they like it and it's pretty entertaining so I I hope you enjoy it I I, I don't think like it's me doing my heaviest intellectual lifting by any means. Well, I know that people enjoyed it. I know that uh, they want to. They want to hear more on that topic, and I think we might. We uh, we might. Yeah, we might do something more on punk rock at some point. And yeah, that's. I think that's one of the benefits of having a channel where we have 
many shows uh, and you know we can we can talk about different things from uh, from different angles and the daily objective itself is you know, we 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 have five shows a day uh, five shows a week <laughs> to come up with topics for and uh, and yeah we can you know branch out um, so uh, yeah thanks thanks Jason I think this Friday it's you and Nikos if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do, do you know what we're we're going to be doing? <laughs> uh, I don't think I no. I don't think I know. All right. Well, uh, it'll be fun for it'll be a fun surprise for us all then. Oh, okay. So you're not going to let us know? No, 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 no. I mean, I don't know yet. Oh, and it, it, it's as, it'll be as much a surprise for you as it is for me. Um, but you know, I mean, how is that really different from someone who's doing daily commentary and then? You know, it's January 7th, and what do you say, right? I, to some extent, you have to have enough of a kind of wealth of kind of background insight in the world, tools of analysis, and interesting delivery to present on some new concept or new topic. So, you know, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like that, um, but we'll see. Yeah, and and uh, by the way, if you saw what uh, the reactions we got on January seventh uh, of last year, then uh, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure people appreciated what we said, but anyway, that's uh, today is the one day I'm not, I'm going to try not to trigger any parts of our audience. Uh, thanks again, Jason, and um, so I mentioned we're gonna we're gonna sort of uh, talk about some of the things that you get as part of, uh, you know, ARC UK membership, ARC UK's uh, YouTube uh, membership, channel membership. And so I'm going to be joined now by Tom Nowak, who, who uh, will be presenting um, something new that uh, people will get as part of, uh, yeah, as, as part of um, their, their YouTube membership, Tom. Thanks, Razi. Uh, congrats on the 500th episode. Thanks. So as part of our expanding offerings to our members, uh, we want to provide something to our YouTube ARC UK members, as well as our gold and above members. So I'm going to show that now. Um, what we thought when we were creating this was we wanted a space where our members could continue the discussion after our videos. Um, without resorting to just comments on YouTube videos that never uh, get responded to. So I'm going to share my screen. So starting today, we now have a Discord server that's available to our YouTube members and our Gold and Above members. Uh, so this is a space where people can post in a forum-like environment where um, you can chat with other members, discuss the video content that's being posted and ask questions to ARC UK staff. So I'm just going to go through it. Um, it's fairly empty now because we haven't invited anyone to it yet, but we expect uh, a lot of discussion, um, especially after our videos are posted on YouTube. So the first thing you'll see is announcements that we make. If you, uh, you can keep this in your notifications tab if you ever want to know new things going on. There's resources you can check out. We also post 
uh, answers to frequently asked questions for ARC UK. Then within our member content area, there's a free form discussion area where anyone can talk about anything. So this is gonna be very live when uh, everyone gets invited. Uh, there's a video discussion channel. Uh, so after our YouTube videos are posted, um, you can start a thread on any of the on any of the video episodes and discuss the content more in depth. So an example here is something that was posted on the weekend, uh, a clip of James and uh, Daniel and I are saying that uh, James is so cool and he's he's always right. So uh, that's just an example. Uh, you can also promote your own content and links here. Uh, we have a channel if you'd like to show your wares or just links that you think are really cool. I've posted some YouTube videos that I think are pretty inspiring. There's a suggestion box that is private. So if you have suggestions for future ARC UK content, whether that's a, uh, an episode title or episode content or just a new feature you'd like, please uh, give us a suggestion. And there's also an ask the experts thread. So um, you can submit a question to any of our recurring ARC UK guests and we will look at these. And the next time uh, the guest is on our channel, um, you might hear your question asked. So uh, we're gonna be posting this link, um, I think imminently to our YouTube members and then uh, to our golden above members, you'll be getting an email within the next week that gives you access. Uh, thanks, Razi. That's it. Any questions? Um, well, no questions for me, uh, mostly because, uh, yeah, I, I, I will have to figure it out myself. And once I, once I, uh, look into it, I will have questions. Uh, and, oh, people are asking when the, uh, the invite is coming. So if you are a YouTube member, you should be getting the invite um, during this show. I think Daniel will uh, will be sending them. Uh, so Daniel, you can post the link. And if, if, if you are a YouTube member, as soon as you are on the server, uh, make sure that you are connected to your YouTube account. Um, we give instructions for that as soon as you join. Uh, there's a bot that tells you how to do it. Um, yeah, that's great. And, uh, yeah, Daniel asks, but I think it's just a surprise rhetorical question about, uh, discord having a light mode. Yeah. That's, that's also, that's kind of the one thing I remember from discord is it's, it's always in dark mode. So it's good to know that, uh, yeah, yeah people don't use light mode cause it, it catches the bugs. So yeah. All right. That's all. Thanks. Thanks, Razi. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, our next guest is Gina Gorlin. Gina, hi. Um, wait, let's have you um, added to the, the channel so that not just people on the Zoom call can see you. Hey, uh, are you able to unmute or do I need to? I believe so. Hello, hello. Hey. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, How's thanks for joining. in person. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, I, I remember I, I'm I probably shouldn't do the whole uh, thing about the awards <laughs> and stuff, right? You think you, people have heard that enough. Um, I suspect so. 
But uh, yeah, you, well, one thing I will say is, you know, our, our best attended uh, in-person event ever was your talk um, in September of 2019, uh, which Ooh. you did on your honeymoon, which uh, I, I really appreciate. Um, and uh, highlight. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, you were recently in London as well uh, when we had the uh, pre-conference kind of conference uh, that ARC UK ran before uh, the Ayn Rand Institute's uh, Ayn Rand Con Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, any any thoughts uh, you want to share on, on that and the recent visit to London? And I know you're also now uh, visiting London frequently, which is something we all well, uh, appreciate. Hope to. Yeah, I mean, I think the main reason I was happy to accept the offer to come and do this little five minute spiel is because I was so pleasantly surprised when I was in London and just how many people are here in our community one way or another because of you, Razi, and because of your efforts to you know, foment the interest in the community kind of within London, but also just more globally in the world, just how many cool people had retraced the, their steps either to an event that they saw that ARC UK was putting on or a random YouTube video featuring Raka and realizing, wait a minute, what? He's into Rand and finding their way circuitously to one of your events. So I just, I'm really happy that you're doing this great work and that the community is really thriving thanks to your efforts. So I thought it was only fair to acknowledge that and recognize it. Thanks. I appreciate that. And I, I, I told you, you know, when you were here in London, it was, it was uh, basically we, you know, I, I like to aim high with things. I think I, I um, you know, it was, it was a bit too much because we did try to do a, you know, we, we did, we tried to do more than we uh, have the capacity to do. And I told you one of, one of the saddest things for me that week was actually you, you had a workshop, which I couldn't attend because I was oh, yeah busy but, uh, which I, I forgave without any <laughs> yeah without any resentment yeah but I, I mean you know that I'm a, a friend of ambition so I'm all for aiming high and you know sometimes needing to lick our wounds and learn from our iterations and whatnot but I think it's it's worth aiming high in the way that you've been so thank you um, actually, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about that? Because you are working with entrepreneurs now, and uh, that is, uh, uh, oh, actually, you have a podcast about this, so I publicly, you know, you're you're working uh, you know, with a, with an organization in London. Um, yeah. Oh, oh should I? You want to tell us? <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Okay, sure. I mean, I'm happy for you to do my promotion for me for free. (laughs) Um, But yes, sure. So I have been specializing more and more in founder psychology, more broadly, the psychology of ambitious innovators, creatives, but founders turn out to be a great exemplar for that kind of person and those kinds of challenges. And so partially that's meant uh, partnering with this uh, startup incubator, startup accelerator in Europe, actually London-based. That's why I keep finding my way to London. It's called Entrepreneur First. And I've coached well over 100 early stage founders through their uh, program and now telling some of the stories of that work with the founders themselves as guests on this podcast called The Founder's Mindset. 
that's co-hosted by me and Alice Bentink, who's one of the co-founders of Entrepreneur First. <laughs> um, we've had a blast together. We've learned a lot from each other. Um, the podcast is getting better in season two. So in case you do give it a listen, you know, I'm proud of season one, but I'm also very excited for the various changes that are coming again with aiming high and then learning and iterating. <laughs> um, and I also have a blog where I report many of my learnings as I go. So if you haven't subscribed to Building the Builders, which is my Substack, focused on the psychological needs of ambitious people, feel free to check it out. It's ginagorland.substack.com. There, I did some of my own promotion. <laughs> Yeah. And the podcast, I mean, I told you after the first two episodes that I listened to uh, three of the first two episodes, because I listened to the first one twice. And I think I listened to the second one twice. It's a great podcast. I recommend it. And, um, and yeah, thanks. Thanks again, Gina. My pleasure. And thank you for all you're doing. And thanks everyone for being part of it. Thanks. And uh, okay. I, I want to address some of the, um, uh, so I, I will get to the super chats. There are many of them, and I, I want to uh, thank uh, the super chatters. I also want to address. Um, um, so, yeah. So, so people are saying they're added to to the Discord. So that's good. If you are a YouTube member, uh, you will be. Um, yeah, you will be added to that Discord, and you can discuss uh, each each show, each video that uh, that we have on on the channel. And um, yeah, the questions about uh, the Razi emoji, uh, you know, we have 31 uh, YouTube members, or 32 actually, actually, I think now with Bonnie, is that, uh, Daniel, is that right? Are we at 32? Yes, it's 32 now. And at 40, we'll get another, another emoji. All right, you know what? So if we get to 40 YouTube members by the end of the show, Daniel, you have my approval. Uh, you can use my WhatsApp uh, profile picture and uh, create an emoji, a Razi emoji from that. Otherwise, uh, it may never happen. So uh, Jonathan Honig is joining us. And well, he was joining us and then I said his name and then he ran away. So but looks like he's back. But he's not unmuted. Uh, okay, you are still muted. Congratulations, Razi, on your 300th episode. Here's to 100 more. I'm so delighted to be part of the Ayn Rand Center UK, all that you've done in building this tremendous community. Now, it's just still inside England right now. I mean, have you ever thought about going outside jolly old England, maybe reaching across the border, uh, talking to people in the US, for example? Um. Actually, we are uh, not the U.S. yet, but we are working on stuff uh, which we uh, don't want to talk about publicly yet. But yeah, I mean, you know, when when lockdowns happened, you know, we became uh, U.K. in name. No, no. I, of course, I'm pulling your leg, Razi. I mean, what you've built, just echoing so many of the other uh, contributors and participants sentiments. I mean, what you've built is truly amazing. And I I was skeptical. I, I thought it was really ambitious to build what you've done, which is a global community of students of objectivism. It's so fun, selfishly fun to be part of it. So thank you for doing it. I'm happy to support it, happy to be part of it and look forward to expanding it even more 
in the months and years ahead. You've created something that really has tremendous momentum and you know, come to just enjoy so many of our supporters, our friends, Apollo and Bonnie and Allie and Christopher and, and um, so many of the just supporters. So thanks to you and thanks to them for making this all possible. Thanks, Jonathan. And people mentioned before, um, I, I think it was a bit of an exaggeration, but that I, you know, get people to say yes to things. And I think the most difficult yes I ever got was your approval uh, for what I think we can all agree is the greatest t-shirt ever made. Uh, so thank you for that. Yes. Well, it was, wasn't a big seller as I'm told, but I'm, you know, that's how you establish a cult following. So I was happy to be part of that as well. Uh, you know, it's, you're building that buzz that only erupts 10, 15 years down the line. Um, but truly rising. Now, look, what, what you're doing to kind of raise awareness of, of Rand. And I think Shoshana, who, you know, look, to say you've brought out the big stars is an understatement. Shoshana mentioned that, you know, you've inspired people, Gina, as well, though, you know, through very interesting circuitous ways to pick up Ayn Rand. And, you know, I think it's awesome because all of your stars are from different walks of life. And objectivism is about people living on Earth. And all of us are from different walks of life. So, the fact that you've brought so many people into having an interest in Ayn Rand and maybe some of them are objectivists and some of them are just interested in the stories and want to learn more about it. I mean, you offer something for everyone. And that's, that's just great that you've been such a facilitator of people learning about Ayn Rand. And look, as I've said, I'm, am I an evangelist? I don't know. I just feel like Rand has made my life a hell of a lot better. The more I learn about her, the more I'm able to integrate these ideas. It just it makes my life more profitable to put it in terms that I'm more, you know, uh, familiar with. So keep it up to you and to your gallery of objectivist stars and to our audience who are stars themselves. Like we thank you. You're keeping Razi on the air and keeping us on the air. So um, here's to 500 more and, and with bigger, better audiences and, 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 and more to come. Thanks, Jonathan. And Jonathan, uh, if you want to um, stick around and, and uh, talk to our next guest. So I said we will be meeting some of the behind the scenes team. Uh, Shruti is, is going to join us now. Now, uh, we talk about what we do on YouTube, but I think everybody here who is uh, following us on social media has seen the image quotes that we post regularly on, uh, on all of social media. You know, we, we talk about how many views we get and so on. Uh, these these image quotes in the, um, I think, nearly two years that we've been posting them have uh, uh, gotten more than three million impressions. Uh, you know, people, uh, you know, they, they get shared, they get, uh, you know, they, they get traction and they are actually, you know, Rand's own words. So we, uh, you know, do our best to understand Rand's ideas, but... Um, yeah, these image quotes are a way of, of, of promoting Rand's ideas uh, or, or at least getting people interested enough. And, uh, and then, you know, they, uh, we have heard from people who said uh, that they got, yeah, we, we will hear soon from Mary Aline. And uh, yeah, she, she has mentioned this, you know, we, we've heard people who read Rand because of those uh, image quotes. So, hey, Shruti. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining. Um, so the image quotes, actually, um, yeah, let's let's start with the image quotes. So, um, you know, this is something that I, I keep 
hearing from people about, you know, you, how do you, do you want to tell us anything about how you come up with it? Is, is, it, is there some sort of a, you know, special formula that, well, I was actually, uh, you know, a bit mortified when you asked me to come on to talk about this because I don't really have any special process that's kind of noteworthy <laughs> or mentionable in any way. Um, I think I mostly just enjoy figuring out, you know, appropriate symbolism for some of, you know, Ayn Rand's quotes. And I think that's mostly, if I can find, you know, paintings that are kind of free of copyright claims or that can be used, then I like taking that out. But apart from that, I don't really have um, much of a process. I just enjoy doing this. It's it's sort of a creative outlet for me. And I just I enjoy doing that. Sure, and thank you for all that you do with the, the network and the channel. How do you go about picking the quotes, not even forgetting, putting aside the imagery. I mean, there's so many good, interesting Rand quotes, even short ones, you know, knowing that these kind of have to be tight. Like, how do you, where do you go finding your inspiration for what quotes you pick to highlight? Well, I, I usually would just, you know, I'd either pick up one of her nonfiction books or what I, what I would usually do if I'm in a pinch is really go to the Ayn Rand lexicon because that's really the, you know, that's like the mother lord of great Ayn Rand quotes. Um, and so I usually just kind of pick a concept that I'm kind of interested in. Often it's the other way around where I kind of see a really interesting picture somewhere and I'd like to kind of place a quote to that. Um, and so that's just what I do. And it's, you know, there is a, there's a lot of, um... I don't say pressure, but like there's a lot to comes when there's a lot to, that comes with taking something that ran wrote and then putting some imagery to it. And as you said, thinking what it's going to be an appropriate way of representing this, at least in my, from my understanding of Miss Rand's words. So that's, you know, that's, there's a lot of responsibility, I think, that comes along with it. But as Razi said, I mean, the efficacy of what you've done is great. And isn't that what's so fun about Rand is that there's so many hooks, I always say to Razi. There's so many interesting things about Rand that can hook people in and say, boy, I didn't think about this in that way. Or, geez, that's something that really resonates with me. So there's so much material you have to work with and have done great working with. Thank you. I, I think I'm, I was pretty interested to learn, you know, from Razi, how these quotes actually, you know, kind of impacted other people or how they found it interesting because for me, it was usually just something that I thought would be kind of interesting and shareable, you know, on social media. But it's it's interesting for me to hear from others how maybe that kind of prompted someone else to pick up the book up, you know, read the essay in like more depth or something like that. So I find that pretty cool. I didn't really see that coming when I started. Yeah, and actually, oh, Jonathan, go ahead. Please, please, Razi. I, I was just going to say, you know, uh, when, uh, so ARC UK started as, uh, you know, a hobby, basically. And uh, when when I got to the point where I was not only able to pay myself a salary and do this full time, uh, but also to hire people, uh, Shruti was, you know, one of the people I hired immediately as soon as, uh, as, soon as I could. 
And uh, that was over two years ago. And I, I'm, you know, very happy with that decision as, as I think is uh, everybody who follows us on, uh, on social media. So um, yeah, thanks Thank you. again, Shruti. And, Thank you so much. Thank you. And, 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 and briefly, Thank you for being with us and all you do, but you know, give our audience a sense of what studying Rand and being, you know, interested in objectivism has meant to you in your life and your your career and your your world. Well, um, that's that's kind of in in many ways it's just super personal, but I think most of my interest, and I'm still kind of working on defining this for myself better. But most of my interests really lie at the intersection of philosophy and psychology. Um, and so, and I think I just get so frequently excited and impressed by the implications of a philosophy on issues in psychology, um, including what it means or looks like to have a healthy psychology. So the things that she said about self-esteem or courage or ambition, as you know, Gina mentioned, and just the values of character you need to live a good life. Um, and so that's kind of what impacted me personally. And that's what I'm working on learning more about right now and writing about a little bit. Love it. Love it. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Ruti. And uh, somebody, so some other people I'd like uh, the world to meet are are the people who support ARC UK. Uh, you know, um, make it possible for us to do what we do, uh, and and actually support us. You know, um, our biggest supporters financially uh, support us in other ways as well. So Eyal uh, um, is, I believe, here. He will be joining us now. Hey, Eyal. Hey, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about your uh, your journey with ARC UK, uh, why you're supporting ARC UK, and of course, you are now also helping us uh, behind the scenes as well. Sure. So, um, I wrote a few things down. I'm wondering if right now you can still see me as I'm reading it. No, we can't see you when you're reading it. Uh, okay. But... But yeah, if you know, if uh, if that's the price to pay, I'd like to hear what uh, yeah, what's written down. Now we can't hear you either. Yeah, so I guess it's all or nothing. <laughs> well, now we now we will be able to hear you. Now you're not muted, but we can't see you. Oh, okay, okay. So anyway, congratulations on the 500th episode. I have to testify that um, ARC UK has been a source of joy for me for several years now. And uh, I was first introduced to Razi and to ARC UK back in uh, March of 2018. There were some events with uh, Sargon and Raqqa. I found it very cool to hang out with uh, some uh, young people or young in spirit, discussing ideas, seeing this... Um, yeah, seeing this whole community, this whole organization take shape. And um, it just kept growing and growing since then. And uh, then the daily objective came and uh, we got our daily fix of objectivists discussing, objectivist students discussing latest events and other topics of interest, providing a fresh perspective and a clever 
and yet very entertaining way while always clarifying that we're all students, we're not figures of authority here. Um, and uh, yeah, then there are the actual professional intellectuals and I find the conversation, that mixture of uh, professional intellectuals teaching, speaking with students. Um, so that student and teacher interaction, I find it fascinating. I find it helps clarify many issues and uh, I've been getting, we've all been getting a lot of that thanks to ARC UK. I think it's done uh, masterfully uh, well. Um, there's even disagreement from time to time between the speakers and people challenges each other in a respectful way. It's also fascinating and honest. And uh, basically I love all this top of the funnel stuff. And it, it I was kind of thinking, describing it in the following way. I was thinking that ARCUK in many ways concretizes kind of the, the journey of the spread of objectivism, how it, it started from Ayn Rand discovering this philosophy and the peak of teaching it. And, and then, it, you know, um, and now we're seeing it reach comedians, actors, financiers, former attorneys, uh, scientists, and basically people from all walks of life, from various interests, from various professions, and all of them basically tackling the way the philosophy uh, hits them, where it meets them in their daily lives, in their professions, in their relationships. And we get to experience all of that. So all of that in, in ARC UK. And um, we see them contemplating and, and be challenged. And uh, so ARC UK makes that happen. And it's just, it's just fascinating for me to see. Um, for example, there's TV talk where you get to talk you get to listen to people in show business discuss some of your favorite shows like uh, i love the madman one once where you you did like an episode per season or per two seasons at times i wish there was like an episode per episode because that was so much fun for me to show like to see people actually in show business discuss some of my favorite shows and um again arc uk makes that happen and then there are the whatsapp groups where you can discuss a wide range of topics that interest you, such as art and politics and sports. And you can share some of your passions with groups um, and have members of those groups share their passions and views with the group discussing these topics. Very could be, It can be at times very enlightening. And um, then there are the meetups, the study groups, a few of which I was fortunate enough to attend. And uh, as we know, Ayn Rand's essays are a treasure trove of intellectual depth. So no matter how many times you read them, you always notice something new that you didn't notice before. So now, thanks to these meetups, maybe you or someone you know are currently facing a certain dilemma in your personal life that are somehow addressed by these essays and you didn't notice them before. So maybe you just had an intellectual discussion or argument with someone and you read something and think, oh man, I could have used that point, it's brilliant. So you keep noticing new things. And by having these meetups, you get to benefit from like a, a, a wide range of people confronting and thinking about these topics. And it's incredibly intellectually stimulating. So for anyone who hasn't attended one, um, it's highly recommended. And then there's the social aspect of it. So usually there is a dinner or some outing after the meetup and you get to meet people, make friends, broaden your social horizons. And now there's like meetup in uh, Edinburgh and uh, in Cambridge and more coming up. And again, ARC UK make that happen. And you have shows with top of the line experts in their fields like uh, HBTV with Harry Binswanger and Enjoy Parenting with Lisa Van Dam and The Book Club with Shoshana <laughs> Milgram. I mean, these are names that I would hear. I would hear them talk once a year at Ocon. And I think, damn, I'm so fortunate.
to be able to listen to these people once a year. And thanks to ARC UK, I get to be able, I get, I get to listen to them practically every week. And uh, once again, ARC UK makes that happen. Peak off birthday parties, ARC UK makes that happen. There's so much more. There's the Productivity Hub, the Communication Bootcamp, Brocon, all of these, ARC UK makes that happen. So um, in addition to all that, Razi and the team come up with fresh, unexpected new ideas um, and they find more ways to expand the community and engage with the community. So I basically, having said all that, I consider ARC UK uh, a gift from objectivist heaven. And uh, what's even more amazing is that um, the Razi and the team do this on a very, very tight, modest budget. So one can only imagine what um, you could do with a bigger one. So I think everyone should reevaluate their current donation level. If you're not, do not, not donating at all, what are you waiting for? Unless you really, really can't. And uh, if you're already a donor, please ask yourself uh, as a testament of dedication to your own values. Can't you at the very least donate one tier higher? Um, I think they deserve it. I think your values deserve it. Uh, help Razi make all this happen. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Ayala. I, you know, I, I've, I've said to you and said. to many people that, um, yeah, fundraising is not my, my strong suit, but I think uh, if, if you, yeah, basically I, we can uh, have that recording and start sending it to potential uh, donors and sponsors because, uh, yeah, that, that was great. And uh, uh, maybe, maybe in the fundraising pitch, we'll cut out the part about Mad Men because I was on those episodes and I uh, somehow wasn't canceled by the objectivist movement after uh, they appeared, but maybe that's just because not everybody saw that. Uh, but the rest of it, uh, that was beautiful. Thanks. Thank you for all that you do. Um, that was, that was, I'll just say, Razi, that was so beautifully said and such a wonderful tribute to you. I know it's echoed by so many people in the super chats. Please keep those coming. You know, as Al said, if, you know, if you've never, if you've only given a pound in the past, uh, throw Razi five pounds now. If you've given five pounds in the past, now's a great time to kind of throw Razi 10 or 15 pounds, you know, get on the board uh, early on in 501st episode. But, you know, I see Shoshana Milgram in our super chat or in our, in our backstage here, and she's been on the program already, Razi. And as I've said, I mean, what I think what you've created, I only, in my understanding of objectivism, is probably only similar in then in the 60s and 70s when there was all those salons in you know with Rand or all that were happening in New York at the time. And you know, you've created that now on a global scale with people, you know, as he said, disagreeing sometimes, agreeing sometimes, learning, arguing, bringing their own interests and passions into this mix and and kind of making it as, as uh, Apollo uh, alluded to in the chat, you know, really a philosophy for living on earth. And that's what your help doing and facilitating for thousands of people around the globe. So thanks to you. Thanks to our super chatters and our supporters and, and uh, for keeping, keeping the shit, not just rolling, but keeping it soaring higher and higher. Thanks, Jonathan. And uh, yeah, our next guest, you know, we've had, we've had big names on this show and we have another one coming up. Uh, so Greg Salmieri is uh, our, our next guest. Uh, Greg, you know, uh, in, in uh, 2020, you were scheduled to come to London. We were, we were about to launch this, uh, uh, you know, these weekly um, 
debates, discussions between objectivist intellectuals and non-objectivists, and uh, you were scheduled to be here in April. I believe, I'm not, I'm not actually certain, but were you uh, scheduled to do something with Douglas Murray? No, I don't remember. I remember I was coming out there. I remember we discussed whether it would be with Douglas Murray or not, and I don't remember where we landed. Um, probably it was, uh, but I think we might have still been sorting out the details. But anyway, yeah, I remember that. I remember uh, us having a phone call talking, like, is it possible we'll still be able to do it? When will things be opened back up? And, uh, you know, none of us knowing quite how long uh, the, the freeze would be for. So and I haven't been out of the country since. So I'm really looking forward to uh, when we can get back to England. You and I talked um, the last summer, I think, or whenever it was, about the possibility of my coming out this March. And for a while, it looked like that would happen. But um, then Omicron and Delta, and it looked like it wasn't going to make sense. And then ART UK was uh, rather, um, anyway, ARI had a conference out there, and I wasn't, uh, d- didn't work out for me to come for that. But I'm really looking forward to getting back uh, into the rest of the world, and particularly back to, uh, to London. I love it there, and I love the event you put together. Thanks. And um, yeah, I mean, you, uh, so you have been on the channel a few times. We've spoken about, you know, uh, you being on the channel, uh, you know, more frequently and hopefully, uh, you know, that'll happen. You were also on, I believe the only ever episode of the daily objective on a Saturday uh, uh, that was uh, with me and Raka. That was when uh, Amazon tweeted something to uh elizabeth warren in uh, in reply to you know something she said uh which was oh yeah i remember that um i don't know about what amazon hasn't been tweeting stuff so much but um i've noticed uh, bezos has been uh been um saying some really good things on on twitter recently which is uh really striking to hear um and or see i guess uh and he's someone i've i've uh, I've long admired uh, for just everything Amazon's done and to see him standing up uh, on the right side of, of some issues uh, in important ways has been um, really striking. Particularly, he said something about um, Biden had tweeted something about inflation and he had a, a quote about, is the disinformation committee going to look into this or it should, which combines, you know, <laughs> getting right that um, uh, what Biden's saying about inflation isn't true with um, with um striking back against the idea of this disinformation uh, squad or whatever it is that Biden forming. So I was really pleased to, to see both of those together in one tweet from, uh, from, from Bezos, one of the most uh, unjustly maligned people and greatest benefactors of, of mankind alive today. Greg, Greg, let me just echo Rosie and thanking you for your contributions to the channel. And, you know, I'll just throw it out there. What about kind of a live blues performance you know, scene, something, you know, kind of a late night with Greg, you know, with like a, a, a blues, you know, people don't know Greg is an accomplished, obviously philosopher and professor, but also a tremendous blues musician as well, musician and blues musician. So, you know, maybe some live music programming could be in ARC UK's future uh, with That's, you at the helm. I don't know. That doesn't seem quite right to me. It seems like <laughs> I, uh, there's, there's stuff of me playing music online you can find. I'm happy to jam at a conference and hang out with people, but if I'm going to put out uh, content on a um, on this channel, I'd rather it be about philosophy and I'd rather do the music stuff elsewhere. You know, maybe incidentally, occasionally, I can throw my well. And it's just, it's a great way of echoing. I mean, people who often don't know anything about Rand, they all they know from Rand is this kind of 
angry looking woman with a cigarette. And then they realize that people not only who are interested in Rand, who are experts in Rand have all these fascinating interests and they're interested in music and politics and children and all this, they have these wonderful full lives. So, you know, you're a great inspiration and uh, someone I point to for that uh, uh, writ large and, and written some great books as well. So continue being part well, of what I've got my rubber sole shirt on. So I'm doing something to uh, promote some music. Um, that's outside of, um, you know, <laughs> Um, not too countercultural anymore, I'm afraid. Um, so let's see, what are we, uh, I didn't really come prepared with anything in particular to say, but I'm always, um, or not, I, I'm uh, happy to come on, on this channel when there's uh, occasion for it. I'm really glad there's uh, an organization um, apart from ARI, I'm a big supporter of ARI, of course, but um, that's a kind of, more grassroots community up, having different sorts of uh, of programming, uh, pitching itself as um, you know, kind of uh, people studying objectivism from different points of view, different students of it, uh, sharing their thoughts and uh, having reading groups and discussions. I think it's important that there be uh, an outlet like that and a place where uh, it creates a kind of space for experimentation and for different voices to to come to the fore. That's something I've always um, uh, wanted to see and have been happy to see. And I'm also really happy in particular that it's coming out of London. I think I said this the last time I was on one of these uh, telethon-like shows for ARC UK, but I used to, you know, get these requests, you know, uh, will you, you know, speak in Georgia? Can we have something in this place or that? I mean, you know, uh, the country, Georgia. Um, uh, we, we'll go on a speaking tour. Can you, you know, show up in this bit of Germany or whatever? And I was happy to do it, but I would think, why is there nothing going on in London? I mean, London's this awesome city. It's a, a hub of, of commerce. It's uh, history. They speak English there. You know, um, why, why is there no uh, objectivist activity in London? I want to go to London. I'm going to be in London anyway. Is there a place I can give a talk? And there was, you know, this, this little meetup uh, at a pub, the, um, the Ayn Rand meetup group, which was always cool when I would go to it and there would you know, be five or six people, a dozen people, always interesting people, interesting conversations. But that was sort of all there was until, um, until Rosie took it over and suddenly, uh, you know, there's so much programming. There'd be, well, why don't we rent a theater and uh, have a debate with this one or that one? Um, so I've just always been impressed by the kind of energy and entrepreneurship and, and making something uh, happen in London where I've, I've long wanted to see something happening for lots of reasons, including that I like being in London. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate that. And we like it when you're in London as well. So uh, let's make that happen uh, soon. Um, now, our next guest. Um, so I, I was, by the way, I mentioned this, uh, you know, this, um, the Saturday episode, the one time we did a Saturday episode. One of the reasons we did a Saturday episode was this Amazon tweet was, I think it was on a Friday. And we thought we'd do the, the show on, a, on, a, on the Monday. And I was looking at Twitter and I remember uh, Don Watkins saying something like, you know, maybe this is uh, some social media manager who's going to get fired over this. And I thought, OK, well, we, we need to thank, you know, we need to thank Amazon, you know, uh, immediately and, uh, and do a Saturday episode. So, uh, uh, yeah, I also, you know, I, I try not to engage in uh, false advertising, but I think the false advertising from the beginning of the show is actually the good kind. I, I said uh, Don Watkins is not going to be here, but he actually is. So uh, our next guest is Don Watkins. Hey, Don. 
Hey, Razi. I'm happy to be here. How's it going? Good. I ended up with a more free time in my schedule and you guys went longer than you promised. So uh, I <laughs> was able to make things work out. Well, yeah, I'm glad we actually, uh, you know, this, unlike last time when we also went over three hours, this time we have a, a hard stop because HBTV is coming up in 45 minutes. But yeah, we, we, uh, I, I looked at, I promise not to go on for 45 minutes. Uh, well, when, you know, I, I, I um, yeah, the schedule, I was saying that the scheduling for this show, uh, even though it is kind of all over the place, it is actually way more, um, you know, it's, it's, it's better scheduled. And that is very much, uh, you know, part of the Don Watkins effect on, on ARC UK, because, you know, we, we didn't have, have production meetings uh, before you came along and now we have them. We plan things as much as we can. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I want to thank you for that again and for all your uh, work for ARC UK. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely my pleasure. I mean, uh, Greg basically said a lot of what I wanted to compliment, but particularly underline the community building, because I mean, that's one of the things is I don't think you were self-consciously trying to do that at first. You were just trying to create something really interesting and unique and that would be an impact for objectivism. And I think what is striking is you've gotten more and more clear on the vision and that it is creating a worldwide online and in part offline, increasingly offline, and hopefully post-COVID, uh, there will not, no longer be a stark division between the community that you're building. And I think it's great that there's a place other than just Ocon, where objectivists are getting together regularly, hanging out, sharing ideas. And um, in part, that's like, that's a, like you can't have a movement that's just purely intellectuals discussing ideas. A movement has to have a community aspect to it. And um, I think that's one of the things that uh, this has really helped create in many ways. And I mean, we, I, I've talked with a lot of the people who, you know, they're not on the channel. They don't have shows, but they're stalwarts of the channel because they're always like, saying hi, chiming in, like participating in things. And it really adds a lot um, that, you know, didn't exist a few years ago. I, I, well, Don, I'll just uh, echo that, uh, that just love of the community that Razi's created that you've been a part of, of helping create. So many of our super chatters, I'll just mention Ella, thank you for your, your contribution. She says, thank you for introducing me, all the amazing content and people ARC UK is an essential part of my life. You know, I mean, Don, you know, I, I knew you as a student and now as a teacher and you're such an exemplary teacher. And I know you've benefited so many of ARC UK members and listeners with all your con uh, content and some of it very, um, it's uh, non-philosophical. We've had long discussions about sports and about mixed martial arts and various types of movies. So, I mean, I'll, I'll echo my perceptions of you and the same thing with Greg as well. As, you know, you think you demonstrate so beautifully that, you know, you can be interested in ideas and have a, such a full, interesting, uh, rich life uh, and good sense of life as well. So um, thanks for, as on behalf of the audience for all you're doing with the channel and, you know, demonstrating that objectivism is in the cult because we all know that Ms. Rand hated facial hair and the fact that you, Nikos, Razi, and almost everything else, everyone man else on this channel today has had a, a big bushy one demonstrates that, in fact, not a cult. 
Uh, that was the whole motivation. No, what, what you say is true, but I would actually take it a little further. So it's not just we're interested in philosophy and we have all these other interests. It's, I think, part of what I I respond to in people, I basically would encounter people from the objectivist community over the years. And the kind of people I respond to are not the kind of people who they're completely conventional unless they're talking about objectivism. And then it's, well, I have this one kind of unconventional interest and it's a little weird. And I love talking about it at parties and here's my Atlas shrug bumper sticker or something like they may be fine people, but I am interested in people who are really fascinating, unconventional people. And that's part of what philosophy should help you build is that it allows you to think things up through from the ground up, including your own personal values and why you care about things and, and encourage you to cultivate really strong interests and values that you firsthand really care about and want to understand. And so it's not an accident that you get so many people attracted to objectivism who, even if they never said a word about Ayn Rand, would have so many cool things to say about things that they're curious about and interested in and the hobbies they pursue and why they like certain people and how they make sense of different things that are happening in the world and in their lives. Like that's really, I think, a signal that you've owned the philosophy is that even when you're not talking about the philosophy, you have a way of coming at life that doesn't feel like the person next door. It feels like somebody really unique and memorable. And I think we've seen a lot of different people with that kind of flavor to them come across this channel, whether they have shows or just, you know, come on to uh, ask a question. And um, I mean, to me, that's part of why I said the community building is valuable. It's valuable for those of us who are a part of the community. But I've long had this view um, since I, I first arrived at ARI and I started to get to know uh, many of the people who are on this channel, people like Greg and Lisa Van Dam and, uh, and, and um, so on. And I had this view of like, there's so many wrong views of objectivism and so much resistance to understanding it. But like, I kind of feel like if these people just came and hung out with me and my friends, like even if we weren't talking about philosophy, like it would change their lives. And I think that's kind of the, the, the reason why is that if you're using the philosophy, right, you should be a really interesting person to be around. I mean, I, I, I agree, and I'll just echo what you said previously about you only used to kind of have that interaction at something like an Ocon. You'd say, oh, and then it was like that one opportunity. And as you said, the stressing the um, social element of it, stressing the non-philosophical element um, kind of makes, and, and some of our super chatters have said this as well, you know, kind of it makes living the philosophy that much more enjoyable, fulfilling, uh, real, actualized. So, um, I, I think you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Take that, cut it, make it a clip, play it again and again, Rosie. <laughs> Actually, no, just send it to me, and I'll play it at my house on a loop. It'll encourage me when I lo- as I lose eighty percent of the arguments. Well, you know, and, and Don, I'll just say, I mean, people who known, who know, had know and have followed Don's work, I mean, have always known him to be a real fearless, um, uh, you know, fearless in terms of his own uh, challenges. I mean, you know, Don, you've talked on the channel about your experiences writing fiction, which was something I think relatively new for you. So, you know, we've seen you kind of, you know, tackle new issues and new challenges and all these new kind of creative efforts. And 
teaching the audience and bringing us along for the ride. So uh, thank you for doing that and doing some of it, so much of it on the channel. Well, um, no, I appreciate that. And that's always been one of my goals is to try to kind of push the envelope in various ways and like, like shake us up and get us to become more bold, experimental, um, confess our, you know, the difficulties and hardships. I mean, I know how hard it was for me to become an objectivist intellectual. And I remember thinking at the beginning, like, oh, this is like such a unique experience. And like everybody, like everybody else is just kind of born understanding the philosophy and like able to communicate it in various ways. And later I learned on, you know, that that wasn't true, but like it, 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 in certain ways it got hidden in the vault of the OAC where we would learn, oh, there was this confusion paper session. And, you know, the young people that we all admire now got beaten up by Leonard Peikoff for, you know, all the failures and flaws in their thinking. But I thought, well, like, let me talk about the kind of challenges I've had more publicly because uh, I, I find like I've I found that really empowering to know like no this is what it looks like to learn a philosophy and to try to um, be effective at promoting it. It's like you're gonna fail a lot. It's not gonna be pretty all the time, and but you can close that gap and you become you can become better and better and actually get to the level you want to be in if you have let's you know say a certain motivation and raw ability. But like if you put in the effort. And so, um, you know, hopefully that's helpful to people as well as, you know, the successes themselves. Well, I, I have to just say too, I mean, I know I've mentioned it before, but I always love mentioning, if you go back and listen to some of Dr. Peacock's old podcasts and radio shows, you will hear a high school age Don Watkins answering one of his, I believe, trivia questions or tie-in contests with great deference, but great accuracy as well. So, you know, Don has been a student of, of uh, objectivism. So go back and listen to one of those episodes, probably from the early 90s, my guess is maybe the, the mid 1990s when you were you were in high school. Uh, yeah, no, that was the one that people have found, which I don't object to them finding. There are one there's a few uh, there's at least one I called in that I think I talked about once on the channel, but I hope nobody ever finds. But in any case, the one that most people have found is when I won the tie in contest and I forget what the three things are that Leonard Peikoff like wanted somebody to come up with what was the fundamental integrating thing. And it I was like something like that. It was, you know, hatred of the good for being the good or, or uh, something like that. And he goes, cause I got it very fast. And he says, okay, are you an objectivist eminence? And I said, I'm 15 or 16 or whatever. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and like, he got a kick out of that. Good. Um, so um, you know, we're, we're, we're learning along as students with these too. So thanks, Don. Thanks. Great. Always great to see you in our audiences, our big fans. Yep. Well, yeah. I'm a big fan of the channel. So good to be here. And uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, the impact uh, that you had, Don, uh, during your time as chief intellectual strategist for ARC UK. But also, uh, you did have, even before that, uh, the communication boot camp, which was absolutely great. You know, you taught uh, many of our members, uh, you know, helped them with, uh, with uh, pieces of writing or speaking. And um, yeah, if you become a member, you will have access to the recordings of, uh, of those sessions. So that's one of many, many reasons to become a member of the Ayn Rand Center UK. Yeah, I hope people check those out. I mean, some of the best stuff I think I've ever come up with, like happen during those sessions. Um, and I'm sure I didn't write most of them down. So like, they're going to be uh, lost time. So I encourage people to go back through that. It was, we got a lot of really good, um, a lot. I mean, you can only do as well as the participants do. And we had a lot of, a lot of courageous participants who were willing to, you know, 
put themselves out there, write, speak, and get critical feedback. Um, and th- that's like a hopefully it was helpful to them. I know many of them have said it's helpful, but you know, from my perspective, one of the best ways to learn is precisely that it's that you create things and you get feedback on it, and then you see others go through that same process. And I think we had a lot of um, uh, really great content that came out from that. And part of what was great was people were supportive, but they were supportive in the right way. I've been to like Toastmasters and it's supportive in the sense of like, it's encouraging and they cheer for you, but it's not supportive, I think, in the way that people ultimately need, which is you need people to be objective. That is, it's not just like, hey, that was great. And maybe, oh, maybe like smile more or something, but like, no, I want to know really honestly um, without pulling punches, like what was good, what could have been improved, what didn't work at all. And I think the ability of the whole class, not just me, to give each other that kind of feedback where it was never personal, but it was it did not flinch from saying, yeah, I don't think that worked and here's maybe ways you could improve it. Um, that's really, you don't see that very often. If people are critical, it's almost always personal. And so, I mean, kudos to all the people who participated in that class. Uh, so yeah, I, I highly encourage people to go back and listen to those. Yeah, that, that they were great. I, I uh, was, uh, you know, I had a few, I think a short talk and uh, um, uh, pitch deck that we went through. And uh, yeah, I, I found a lot of value in it personally. And I know uh, the members who participated did as well. Well, and people need to go back and look at uh, R- Razi's videos in the channel from a couple years ago. And now you speak much more confidence and certainty and uh, you earned it and you worked on it. So like, congratulations to you. I'm not taking credit for that, by the way, but I'm just saying like the the ability to kind of improve uh, communication skills um, when you put in the work, it's it's definitely there. I appreciate that. And I think you can definitely take at least some of the credit for that. Uh, and and as you know, um, you know, even before you were working with ARC UK, I, I uh, when you had those uh, those videos you were putting on YouTube back in um, the spring of 2020, I basically, you know, everything we did was I stole your ideas from there. So, uh, well, that's right. As I as I, I I've told you definitely privately. I don't know if I've said this publicly. Like the thing I loved most about ARC UK was at that time, I had like all these visions for the kind of content that needed to exist online in an accessible form. And then you went and created a lot of the stuff that I thought needed to exist. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this saved me so much time and trouble. Like this is, this is awesome. And like, that was, um, you know, one of my biggest mentors and my friend, Alex Epstein, who um, I don't know if he's ever been in the channel, but we've certainly talked to him uh, from time to time, but he always said of like, his ideal was he wanted, you know, another him to like edit him for him and, you know, to write the books that he wanted to see written, but didn't want to have to write. And uh, it credited me with kind of filling that role. And so like, I, I share a similar thing of, man, the more that I can like delegate all of the stuff that I, I'm not going to be able to get to, to other people in the universe, the better. Well, it's very much appreciated. And uh, thanks again for, for joining us. Um, so uh, Jonathan, I know you need to, you need to go soon. Do you have a couple more minutes? Cause I want, uh, I, basically I want you to meet the next guest, although you you've met him before, but uh, 
Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Bring him in. Um, I'll, I'll just quickly echo something that that uh, that Don said was that you know, Razi, you you know, D Dr. Peacock needed to move to New York City to learn objectivism from Miss Rand. Uh, even as recently as the '80s, you had to send away for tapes. You had to go to try to find people, but you have you've made this so easily accessible to people all over the world, bringing experts like Fishana and Lee and James Valiant and Greg Salmieri and Robert uh, and Amy and so many interesting perspectives on objectivism, you know, stuff you had to be in New York. You had to be really actively or expensively working to pursue. So you've made that accessible to everyone. So thank you Sutherland for that very generous contribution. 200 pounds, let's see another 200 pounds, but it's people like Sutherland who are keeping you on the air, keeping this momentum growing uh, and, and doing it. I think getting a great value in the process. I mean, you know, you get to have a one-on-one -on -one basically through the ARC UK with Harry Binswanger. I mean, he was a student of Miss, uh, Miss Rand. So there's still other opportunities like that. So thank you, Sutherland. Thank you all the cont uh, contributors. Become a member and keep doing what you're doing. Let's, let's bring in the next guest. Yeah, thanks Sutherland for that. And Sutherland is one of our, our biggest uh, supporters, as is our next guest. By the way, we still have a bunch of people, including, I think, at least, is it five hosts of shows uh, on this channel? Uh, our, our next guest is um, Eamon, Eamon Osman. Uh, he's been on a Daily Objective once, but also he is, uh, it's not an exaggeration to say there would not be an ARC UK uh, without him. And, and that's not just because he is a, a big supporter uh, uh, financially of ARC UK, but it is also because um, basically when I met Eamon in 2016, I decided that, uh, you know, this guy has to read Introduction to Objectivist Epistemology because if he does, the world would, would be a better place. And we were talking about starting a, you know, a group of, uh, of friends who would uh, read the book together or discuss it. And... Uh, yeah, and then and then uh, we went to an Ayn Rand meetup in London. We spoke to the organizer George, uh, and then we started the weekly discussions that are still going on to this day. Uh, so, Eamon, welcome to the show. Hi, hi everybody. Hey. Yeah. So it's and th uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, that was back in two thousand sixteen, mid two thousand sixteen. And uh, I actually always wondered when we when we started the meetup. Uh, my, I mean, my my objective was or my motivation was simply that uh, I heard of Ayn Rand, I read some of her stuff, and it certainly changed my uh, life trajectory at that point. But I never really went very deep. I never really, I never actually knew that there was a philosophy behind it. I just thought this was uh, some intellectual who said some cool things and. Uh, almost like a motivational speaker to me. Um, and then I met Razi and he introduced me to, well, he said to me, you have to read Introduction to Objectivist Epistemology. Like he said to me, go home right now and read it. Uh, I read that and then I, and I decided I have to read everything that she wrote. Uh, and that's how we started the group. Uh, and my uh, motivation for the group was simply, I just wanted to you know, read the essays and have uh, some people to discuss it with. And I always wondered, Razi, if uh, your whole plan was all along to do something like this, because this is kind of uh, this is kind of gotten out of control. Uh, well, it wasn't the plan, uh, but I'm glad it turned out this way. Yeah, it, it was basically the the original idea was just let's get together and uh, and discuss ITOE, and then uh, 
one thing led to another. We we ended up doing it as part of the London Iran meetup. Uh, we ended up. Uh, I I was in the U.S. that summer. Uh, met Dr. Andrew Bernstein. Said, you know, why don't he? He was uh, teaching in Bulgaria that year, so he came to do a speaking tour uh, that was a week long. Uh, you know, remember we did seven events in seven days, all of them in London, because basically we spent all the all of our budget on flying him in. And uh, we couldn't afford trains to other places in the UK. Uh, and yeah, you know, that, that was around the time I thought, you know, we can, we can do more. Uh, um, yeah. And what we, we had at that point. And um, yeah, again, you were, you were, you know, not just, uh, you know, part of the reason for starting it, but you were also, uh, you know, a big part of making all that happen with the uh, tour of Bernstein and uh, the different things we did uh, over the past six years. And I still think, this is in its infancy, you know, I think we're, uh, we, we may be doing these, uh, you weren't here when we were talking about how uh, should we do these episodes celebrating ourselves when we're still in the hundreds of views. And uh, my opinion is very much yes. But, uh, but yeah, well, there's, there is still a long way to go. So I mean, if you think of yourself as a startup, you want to, you want to have few but like raving fans you want to have like you know a couple you know a couple dozen people who if you weren't around they'd be really annoyed and i think you've i think you've reached that at this point so for me if arc uk were to disappear tomorrow then my life would be a lot worse than it is and i think you've you've produced something which is very important to a lot of people's lives it's not, you know, it hasn't changed the world yet, but this is where this is where world changing uh, companies and and uh, you know movements start. It starts with a few people who are extremely enthusiastic about it and who who uh, you know if you can't if you can't change a few people's lives, then you're not going to be able to change millions of people's lives. So you need to start there. And I think uh, really, I think things took off. Uh, in the last couple of years with uh, the move to online. I think that's, that's been a huge thing. And for me, uh, it definitely helped me through the pandemic, having, having all those shows, having a daily thing, having just a variety of shows. It's been quite amazing. Um, so yeah, we've, we've come a long way since the uh, meeting up in a pub on Wednesday to read an essay. Although I really, I really do miss those. Just three of us reading an essay in a pub yeah. somewhere. Yeah, originally it was it was very low numbers, and it, you know nowadays our our discussions, you know, we we figured out how to do it. I mean, we're still learning uh, as we go along, but yeah, back then there was no moderation. There were only a few of us. It was it was 2016, uh, kind of uh, the second half of 2016. So we would start by discussing the essay, and then within you know 30 minutes or so, we would start talking about Trump. So uh, yeah, nowadays. Nowadays, it's a different kind of meetup, and it's, I think, much better. Um, yeah, so thanks. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate uh, the comments very much and, and the support and, uh, and you know, being the kind of person that, you know, made me think, okay, this, this is a guy who needs to read ITOE. And uh, again, triggering the, uh, what ended up becoming the Ayn Rand Center UK. You're welcome.
All right. So uh, our next uh, our next guest. Now we have a bunch of hosts on the channel. Our next one hosts a show on Wednesdays. Uh, not every Wednesday, but many Wednesdays. And um, yeah, he was uh, he was first. Uh, I think first gave a talk in was it October November of 2020, uh, which uh, was a great talk and, uh, and has has been a. Uh, you know, has been present on the channel uh, more and more ever since. Lee Pearson. Hey, Lee. Well, thank, thanks, Razi. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief because I know you got some others. Uh, uh, so first of all, congratulations on, on creating something that is absolutely, as far as I can tell, unprecedented. But enough about you. Let's talk about me. Uh, the latest thing that I've been doing, as you said, I did some talks on various subjects. Uh, uh, but my latest uh, activity on your uh, um, ARC UK is um, the, the Cutting Edge show. And our goal, and what I mean by our is, the show involves myself, but also Steve Richens and Dr. Robert Stubblefield, who are all three of us uh, work together on this. But our goal, one way of putting it, is to, to have uh, programs on some controversial issue and we, we're, we're striving to make actual progress live on YouTube on whatever the issue is, you know, actually to actually move the bar forward. Now, whether we succeed at that or not is not really for me to, to, to say, but I think even in just trying to do that, that that's a good thing, even if we don't uh, entirely succeed. And we try to, to uh, deal with subjects on the edge of, of knowledge uh, where there are controversial aspects like, uh, well, and of course, my own background is in psychology, and I'm interested in someone else who said this kind of the same thing, in, in things on the edge between philosophy and psychology. In my case, it's, it's consciousness, introspection, and volition, and perception, I guess, are the, the main things that concern me, So, I, and, and the combinations of those things. And things uh, so one of the issues we've talked about a couple of times is volition and perception. There's a lot of controversial stuff there. And uh, as your uh, own, I guess, said earlier today, uh, repetition is a good thing, but I aim not for pure repetition. I like, I like spiraling. I guess we, we should all like spiraling. That is to come back to something and to deepen it. And I'm willing to go back and, and deepen further. So we've discussed, for example, volition and perception a couple of times. We'll probably do it some more. I've discussed introspection a couple of times. We'll probably do uh, deepen that some more. And then we do branch out. We had a, a, a topic on um, uh, the rights, the inalienable, the ability of rights. Are rights inalienable? So it's a political topic. We had another political topic. And then this week, just to end up here, because I think you should be moving on. Uh, this week, uh, Wednesday, we've got a great, I think a great topic. We're going to talk about educating education by making it more conceptual. And I have as my guest, because I like discussion with people that I both disagree and disagree with. I like you know both of those things. And we have uh, Ed Thompson, who is uh, uh, in some ways the w world's premier educational activist. And he's uh, done doing a lot to promote conceptual education. And we're gonna discuss that. And uh, it should be, it should be uh, good. Anyway, I, I'll tell you what, I'll stop there because uh, you want to go ahead, right, Rosie? Got other things to do. 
Well, I do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the first talk you gave uh, back in 2020 was about introspection. I, uh, you know, I, um, yeah, I, that's, that's one of the things I, I love about, you know, we talk about how we're, we're students of objectivism, and we, we do the daily objective, which is, uh, as was mentioned, is a very much a top of the funnel kind of uh, uh, project, even though we, we do, you know, deep dives into different topics. Um, but yeah, somebody, somebody once, uh, somebody actually who used to work for ARC UK referred to our YouTube channel as the Netflix of objectivism, which I, I, I like. Uh, and, um, yeah. And, okay, and, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully uh, we will get to the point where we also have as much content as Netflix. Hey, it's, it's prime video too, though. The prime video. Of objectivism. Actually, prime. that does sound better. Uh, yeah, and I think yeah. I think uh, quality wise, we we are better, if I may say so myself. So, thanks, Lee. Uh, Very good. And thanks, Russ. So next, and you know, when we talk about um, you know how we are where we are, and uh, we wouldn't be able to be here uh, if it weren't for uh, several people. I think that's very much the case with uh, my next guest, uh, James Valiant. James has now two shows on the channel, plus a uh, um, members-only discussion group, which, by the way, uh, it, it's a it's a members-only study group on Peacock's courses, but now we're not doing a course we're doing the ominous parallels. We only started that last Sunday. So if you become a member now, you can still catch up. You can watch the recordings of the first two uh, sessions. And if, if you're a YouTube member, you can watch the first session and then decide to become a full member. Uh, so James, thanks. Thanks for joining. What? Rosie, congratulations, sir. My God, 500 episodes <clears throat> to think. Yeah, I was just listening to you and Eamon. My gosh, it started with three blokes in a pub Five years ago. Now think about that and think about where you are now. So you've been thinking, okay, we're only in the hundreds, but you're producing such an incredible variety of programming and you are creating a worldwide community of people interested in objectivism. It is now I just want to have a pitch out to everyone listening to us. If you think this is some of the most important work out there, if you think these are important ideas to get out there, I just want to get you to Think about the hierarchy of your values and what's really important. And I have to say that, my God, think of all that we've got here. You can listen to Harry Benzwanger, Ankar Gatte, Greg Salmieri. So you're getting the absolute best, the absolute best in philosophical education on objectivism. Just think about Shoshana and Lisa Van Dam. My gosh, you're going to have two experts who've taught one at the university level, one at the primary, you know, high school level, uh, the Fountainhead, real experts in the literature of this. You're providing all of your customers an invaluable, an invaluable service. Um, some of the most remarkable stuff out there. I don't know how you talked me into having the guts to have a debate with Harry Benzwanger about homosexuality, but we did that. And one of the other things that people say that is amazing, what we are capable of having respectful debate, differences of opinion among ourselves, and to have the world exposed to that uh, is an invaluable thing, an absolute valuable thing, so long as there's an honest 
you know, uh, uh, debate, it's, it's just an amazing thing to have happen. And uh, to show that kind of discussion, to apply it to real life, the contributions of Don Watkins, my God, what a skilled communicator and what a skilled communicator about communication. The values that you've been providing are just priceless in my view, absolutely priceless. And I would urge everyone within earshot to consider becoming a regular paid subscriber. The values you get and the values you're always coming up with for people are just astonishing, truly. You know, as the author of The Passion of Ayn Rand's Critics, I want to say something. We're all sadly familiar with the worst, lowest kind of attacks on Ayn Rand that, we're, that we hear all the time. They're personal, they're ad hominem, they're frequently, you know, in fact, they're almost always false. They're always unfair. And it's not just Ayn Rand, though. It's all of us. It's all of us who advocate Ayn Rand's ideas, who, who publicly express a sympathy with Ayn Rand's ideas. We are routinely attacked personally. We are cultists. We are constantly adolescent in our thinking. We are unrealistic. We are monsters. We are selfish, cruel people who would step over dead bodies. We get attacked constantly for being fans of Ayn Rand. And by providing this community, by providing this civil discussion, by showing the humanity of us and of our community, you are providing an invaluable service, shattering that, showing the young people of the world that in fact, we are human beings. <laughs> we are real human beings. We are not the monsters that the media presents us as being. And in that regard, I don't know of any other service that has quite done what you have done in terms of humanizing and connecting the objectivist community to the world. I mean, if you wanna have your mind uh, uh, on the very cutting edge with Lear Pearson and to be wrestling and chewing with cutting edge ideas, you can do that. If you wanna talk about movies or the latest uh, political event, you've got that going on. Uh, we are not one, one trick ponies. We are not one note musicians and you, have shown the world that. You have exposed that to the world. And I wanna thank you, Rosie. You are one of the great heroes, one of the great atlases in my view, working in the world today. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to update and, uh, you know, Ayn Rand's essays, Leonard Peikoff's talks and essays are more relevant than ever. If we can show that in our weekly shows, if we can connect that to recent events, if we can connect that to the events in people's lives, it becomes more relevant and it keeps this material alive. So thank you for this opportunity and thank you for what you're doing. One last thing I wanted to rush in to point out, I am frequently on podcasts that have thousands of viewers and they're not objectivist podcasts. Obviously they have to do with religion where there's a huge built-in audience of millions and millions of people worldwide. One of the great disadvantages we have is we don't have that. I mean, I'll do a interview and I'll get 80,000 or one I did with uh, Professor Bart Ehrman just the other day that was finally released, 3,000 in one day. That's because they've got this well-established gigantic audience of people who are interested in religion. You are starting from the ground up but also look at it this way, we've got the truth on our side. So although we are just a nucleus now, uh, we are the nucleus of something that can grow into something very important. And if history has a future, ladies and gentlemen, it's in growing that audience. It's in growing those who are interested in this set of ideas. 
So don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. We have a tremendous disadvantage. We're up against some cultural inertia that's going to be hard to fight. On the other hand, we've got the truth on our side. At the end of the day, you know, for example, the quotes that you pull out, we say we get millions of hits on. I use those and there are people who I have friends across the political spectrum, friends across the religious and philosophical spectrum. They will respond. They will share them. Um, so we are getting somewhere with that. And that, for example, is having a huge impact. So I say, let's just keep plugging at it, Rosie. We will, at the end of the day, get thousands of viewers if we keep going at it this way. I'm, I'm certain. Thanks, James. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate your help in building this. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say briefly, uh, yeah, and I think we will go over time a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, but uh, I, I do want to say, you know, you mentioned the uh, speaking of things I might get uh, canceled for that that uh, debate about, you know, homosexuality. I think, yeah, there are smears of, of Rand out there and there are people who will see a smear and that's all they need to hear. And, you know, I'm, I'm OK with not having these people on our side. There are people who will, you know, see the value in her work, see something that might, you know, might raise a question. And then having the, uh, you know, having the content that they can go to, that they can, you know, see what exactly this was all about, I think is uh, super important. And by the way, on that note, you know, the discussions we do on the essays, uh, yeah, nothing on the channel, you know, averages in the thousands, but we do have, for example, when we did Fact and Value, which I believe was the first one of these, uh, it, that has over a thousand views. There's a video on our channel that's over an hour long, I think, uh, a discussion of Fact and Value with over a thousand views. So uh, yeah, it would be great if it was over a million, but I'm I'm still very proud of that. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, it's it's good good that it's out there. So uh, thank you last again. Thought. And my last thought will be on the ominous parallels. We're just started it. We're only chapter three into it for this Sunday. We've got the number expanded from the first to the second. We've got an expanding uh, uh, a base of students there, really high quality questions, really high quality participation. You get to participate but you have to be a paid subscriber to do it. And you'll be able to catch up. We have that stuff on recording so you can catch up to where we're at. Uh, so please do consider joining us on Sundays. These are great discussions uh, about a, an increasingly relevant topic. Yeah, thanks, James. And yeah, I hope people uh, join. You can find the, uh, the join the link to join membership in uh, in the YouTube chat. I know it's almost time for HBTV, uh, but we will probably, uh, HBTV will probably be a little bit late, but uh, a little bit before the scheduled time for HBTV, we have Harry Binswanger. I mean, when we talk about the fact that, you know, we started uh, with a local meetup and still at the meetup, you know, I, I run it here in London. I make the point of, of saying, like we say on the channel, that we're students, not teachers of, of the philosophy. You know, the fact that we uh, have access to uh, some of the greatest philosophers uh, is is uh, truly an amazing thing that has, has, has changed with ARC UK in the past couple of years. And I think clearly at the top of, uh, of the list is the fact that we have a weekly show with Harry Binswanger, HBTV, which is, I think, a, a week or two from celebrating its one year anniversary. Uh, so Harry Binswanger is now joining me. Hi, Harry. Hi, Razi. How are you? I wanted uh, to be here to uh, put 
my reputation behind the incredible work you've been doing to build an audience in the United Kingdom and then around the world for Ayn Rand's ideas. I mean, I don't know where you get the time or the energy to have all the shows that you do. I just know I'm very glad you have my show, which is uh, coming up in a few minutes. So uh, thank you so much. And um, let me uh, urge people to support you financially because you are not yet drawing an audience that can make you have the lifestyle of a Jordan Peterson uh, who gets hundreds of thousands of dollars from his audience. But we are just waiting for the morning mail to find out that that is now true of you. So, yeah, uh, well, I don't know if I'll ever get to the Jordan Peterson lifestyle, but, you know, uh, we are aiming in, in uh, you know, in that direction in terms of uh, the audience we reach. And we actually spoke about how, you know, Jordan Peterson reaches an audience that uh, very much needs Rand's ideas. And, uh, and, you know, we did a couple of episodes of HVTV about that. They were, uh, again, not in the hundreds of thousands yet, but they are uh, some of the better viewed episodes of the show and I, I suspect that many of those views came from people looking for Jordan looking up Jordan Peterson uh which is a very good thing uh because uh yeah if if they hear a a better alternative um then uh then that's that's what we're here for well as objectivists we admire innovators and entrepreneurs and you are both you have created something out of nothing in contradiction to the objectivist metaphysics. So I salute you for that. I, and people yeah. should contribute financially. I, I really appreciate that, Harry. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, and uh, yes, HBTV, I hope everybody, including Harry, forgives me if we are a few minutes late with that show. Uh, this is a uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we originally said we're going to run for two hours, but it doesn't look like we can uh, fit everything into three hours. But, uh, you know, you only have episode 500 once. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have episode 1000. and we're gonna um, How many events do you have per week on on vid in video events? Uh, it depends on the week because some shows are not every week, but I think it's uh, it's always more than 10. Right, Daniel, I'm looking at you because you are, you are the actual producer on a day-to-day -day basis. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, there was the old Nathaniel Brandon Institute back in uh, under Ayn Rand's auspices until Brandon showed his true colors and it was shut down. But they had at their peak one event every day. And one of them was a social event. So they had like six events per week. And you are already past that without the benefit of Ayn Rand coming to give you an audience. That's really amazing. Thanks. I appreciate it. And, you know, we we uh, we want to keep uh, increasing that. And by the way, a, a part of uh, what we do and, and we uh, work with the Ayn Rand Institute as, as mentioned and the Ayn Rand Institute also uh, sponsors HBTV is 
you know, uh, ARI is growing uh, Ayn Rand University, trying to train as many new intellectuals uh, as, as possible and the best intellectuals. So, uh, yeah, you know, in the future, uh, I, I don't think it's, uh, um, you know, I don't think it's impossible to think we might come to the day where we have 24-7 uh, content. That's still still kind of the dream, but uh, uh, yeah, we, we uh, will start by increasing the audience for, um, for the content we have and uh, we'll go from there. So thanks, Harry, and we will see you uh, very soon again uh, for refuting Hume metaphysics, right? That is right. So I'm gonna go put the final touches on. Great, thanks. And um, okay, so um, the next uh, guest we have here, you know, uh, we, we talk about how, um, you know, the best way to uh, promote uh, objectivism is to live it. And uh, I remember when, uh, when, when I first heard uh, Robert Nasser talk about uh, somebody, somebody asked for uh, career uh, regarding uh, career advice, advice regarding career choice. And he said uh, something like, I'm not the right person to ask because I, when I was working in fast food, I, I enjoyed it. And I said, well, that makes you exactly the right person to ask, because if you make the most of, uh, you know, a situation that you're in, uh, then yeah, that, that is, that is the kind of thing, uh, we want to hear. So that's how life on earth, uh, uh, the, the clubhouse show, um, uh, launched and then we moved to YouTube and that show also in a couple of weeks is celebrating its one year anniversary and uh, Robert and Amy Nacer are joining me. They, they uh, also recently um, joined us in person in London, which uh, we hope to do more of and, and encourage people to, to join us. And yeah, by the way, Shoshana is correcting me that Harry is discussing Descartes. Uh, today. Well, we are running late, so I will make this real quick. Razi, thank you for the introduction. I could do a whole show, and maybe we will on Thursday, celebrating this fifth, 500th episode of TDO. You know, the first episode of TDO, the first The Daily Objective, back in June of 2020, it was on the riots. It was a Gloria Alvarez and Nikos were on that. I could talk about my relationship, and again, I will, with ARC UK, but just 500 episodes, folks have left out. TDO uh, 354. Who was on TDO 354? Leonard freaking Peakoff. Twice now. This is a man who was in retirement. Comes out of retirement. Talks to us through ARC UK. Now, this is amazing. And the first one that he did was at the hotel. He did his virtual reality. His talk about Operetta. Lisa Van Dam worked with him on that. We did a TDO on it afterward, an analysis. And then the next one, he's actually on ARC UK. So many of these, there were four episodes of The Daily Objective that Amy and I had the pleasure of hosting. TDO has been amazing. And the fact that you've reached 500 episodes, all congratulations to you. If you've seen my Facebook wall, I've got a list of highlights. Again, we may talk about this on Thursday, but go to facebook.com slash Robert Nacer. Look through that list. It's easy to think, well, you know, so much of TDO is kind of day-to-day -day events and they don't really hold up. I'm not that interested in, you know, whatever was in the news a year ago. 
But so many of these do hold up, even the ones that were about the news of the day. Take a look at that list, facebook.com slash Robert Nacer. Congratulations, Rosie, on TDO. I do want to talk more about life on earth with Robert Nacer, the opportunities you gave us first on Clubhouse and then on YouTube. Maybe we'll do that on Thursday because we're running late. Congratulations, Rosie. Congratulations to everybody on the channel. And especially thank you so much to everybody in the chat, everybody listening to this for coming on this journey. Rosie, it's been amazing. So I'm wearing green for money here. So everybody uh, give till it hurts for ARC UK. Also, I just want to say that um, you can also support Robert and I at uh, robertnacer.com. We have our show Sunday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, called Five Minutes with Robert and Amy Nacer. And um, it's a bit more of a fun, casual event. Um, oh, but yeah. I don't know. We're pretty fun and casual. I've got all sorts of notes about memberships and super chats. I think everybody has said it. Everybody is hyped up. Everybody is motivated. Send the money. Now, I mean, you know, spend the money to get what you want from the Ayn Rand Center. You value can. for value. Thank you so much for that. And thank you, Rosie. It's been great. Thanks, Robert and Amy. And yeah, actually, something we didn't mention is, mention is, is super thanks, which we now have on the channel. So people who are watching the recording of this, if you made it three hours in, then you can uh, uh, thank us by... Um, yeah, uh, contributing after the fact. And uh, yeah, um, thanks. By the way, there was a live um, Life on Earth slash five minutes slash the weekly objective in person in London. You can find that on our YouTube channel. Uh, that was great. There, there was a guitar uh, given away. So if you weren't there, you missed out on the opportunity. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks again, Robert and Amy. And um yeah okay our next our next uh guest is um daniel so daniel is uh the man behind the scenes when you see a, an episode of any show on our channel it is uh almost always daniel who uh who makes it happen and um yeah so daniel and daniel actually um you know i uh first met him virtually uh, just because he became a member of ARC UK and uh, participated in uh, the first book club we had uh, on uh, on We the Living and uh, in, in many other membership activities since. Hey, Daniel. Hey, everyone. And hey, Razi, thank you for inviting me onto stage. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to also be alone because we are so late already, but if you want to see someone who ARC UK basically became life, then here I am. I've been, I mean, I've been an objectivist for less than three years and I've been watching ARC UK for more than two years. So you can imagine like my life in objectivism and my life as such was definitely influenced by ARC UK a lot. Not, I mean, I started with the, with the, it started with the book discussions, but there's so much more and especially, I mean, it wasn't just ARC, okay? Razi especially, I mean, right now I'm in the OAC. Thanks to Razi, he was the one who kind of pushed me like, hey, do you want to try? And I wouldn't be in the OAC without him. And another thing, as, as it was mentioned, Robert and Amy were in London and I was there too, only thanks to Razi that there's no chance I, I would be there otherwise. And, you know, even right now I will probably be at Ocon in America and this wouldn't be possible without ARC UK, without objectivism and especially without Razi.
Well, I appreciate all that, Daniel. And by the way, I have to say, it's not in his contract to say all that. I didn't write it, uh, you know, for him. So uh, yeah, it, it is uh, very much appreciated. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for all your work. And um, and and there's more of it coming because H3TV is coming up soon. Uh, Daniel, before uh, we talk to our, our last guest tonight, um, do you want to mention... Uh, the super chats because I actually lost most of them by closing the video on my, uh, okay. my app. Should I read? Uh, uh, we're we'll, we're gonna have to pass on reading the super chats themselves, but uh, definitely uh, mention the names. Uh, I actually can pull all of them up. Oh, it, it also broke for me, so unfortunately, okay. I cannot read. So. Okay, so let me thank all our super chatters, and I will thank individually the ones uh, that I, I can see. Uh, by the way, um, I think I think we thank Sutherland, but uh, two hundred pound super chat uh, deserves uh, to be thanked twice. And uh, uh, Mary Aline, uh, Jonathan, um, Mary Aline uh, super chatted several times, as did Jonathan, as did Dylan, uh, Bonnie, Robert. Well, else do we have here? Um, Marvin, and I know there, there were others. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you to everybody who, uh, who super chatted today. Um, so Daniel, I know we had uh, a, a recorded video by Raka for this episode. I suggest that we put it as a instant premiere uh, right after HBTV and have it as its own video. Um, and I think our our last guest, uh, last but definitely not least, is the super chat queen herself. I mean, so when we when we first became monetized on YouTube, I remember uh, thinking, you know, uh, like I, I, I was optimistic. Nikos was not so optimistic, and uh, uh, you know, we were saying, okay, people who want to support us will become members, and and uh, YouTube was a, a kind of a lesson, you know, YouTube monetization, a lesson in, uh, um, you know, people will support us the way they choose to support us. You know, if we limit their options, they, they, they will limit the, uh, the support. And uh, uh, yeah, we saw that, um, you know, we, we saw that immediately when we became monetized. Mary Lean was one of the first and biggest supporters of our work. We also got to meet in person uh, in London for the conference. So, and Mary Lean, you know, you were scheduled to appear much sooner. So I, I appreciate you uh, waiting and uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, Razi. No, it's, it's been such a huge value to me. I retired in January of 2020. So um, I didn't even really know what normal was yet because then COVID hit and I've just enjoyed ARCK so much. <clears throat> I remember the time I accidentally super chatted $500 <coughs> and you were going to give it back to me. And I said, no, no, just leave it. It's more trouble than it's worth. So that was probably your first $500 super chat. Possibly. I think it was, I think it was the only $500 super chat. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that I, you know, for the first moment I saw it, I'm like, yeah, this is an, an awesome, uh, an awesome thing. But yeah, 
fact that it was it was an accident made me think you know it was fine so i had some stuff to say and i won't because of time but i i or al said a lot of it um i just want to mention uh one time i think i super chatted if you and Nikos would tell me some of the things you disagreed with, and one of you said it would be much quicker to tell you the things that we agree about, and and I've always remembered that. Um, you know, I don't. I hardly. I'm hesitant to start saying some of the things I get value out of because I'll leave somebody out. But reading Calumet K was really a huge value because I hadn't fully appreciated that book, and. Um, reading um, ominous parallels with James Valiant right now is something too that I've never, <clears throat> I've read it, but superficially. So I'm going to enjoy that very much. <clears throat> and I seem to have a frog in my throat. So why don't I stop now? It's been great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Marilyn. And, and if, oh, you, you have already left. I was going to say, if you do want to um, say a few more words, then yeah, you know, we, we, um, we, we will start HBTV in a few minutes, so uh, we, we do have uh, time for that. But yeah, I, I know you uh, are a regular participant in the book club. I'm not, but I plan to be for the Fountainhead group. And I know that Antoine, who is not uh, on the show today, is doing a fantastic job with that and is, uh, you know. It, yeah, he really is. Yes. <clears throat> okay. This has been terrific. <clears throat> I know it was like herding cats to organize all this. You did a great job, Rosie. Thank you. And uh, thank you again to everybody who joined us uh, for this. Uh, you know, we, we, the Daily Objective started as a 20 minute show that uh, was always running for around 40 minutes. So this uh, two hour episode has now gone on for three hours and 10 minutes, which is, I think, just about long enough. And it has cut into uh, uh, the normal uh, um, uh, scheduled time for HBTV. Uh, but thank you again to everybody who appeared on the channel, to everybody who's supporting our work, uh, whether it's financially, whether it's just uh, viewing and sharing uh, the shows. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we have no intention to uh, slow down. So I hope uh, you will continue watching and, uh, and uh, see you on HBTV uh, in, in a few minutes and uh, tomorrow on the Daily Objective and the Fountainhead Book Club the uh, official launch of that. So thanks again, everybody, and good night.